1: what's good internet it is Monday September 17th and you are listening to Waypoint radio episode 187 that's a that's a heavy number
2: 187. That's a big dog number.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is,
2: that joke doesn't work because I, the thing that you're referencing. Listen to the end of the episode. It's
1: a Snoop Dogg number. So, I mean, it's. All right. It's the number they gave him. Um, so, I'm your host, Austin Walker. And joining me in this very laughy intro of Waypoint Radio, in the room, Danielle Riendo.
2: Hi. Hello.
1: Hi. Also, big dog himself, <laughs> Rob Zachney. Woof.
3: We got code 187 here. Looks like I <laughs> should have stayed on the porch. Came down here and ran with the big dogs.
1: God damn it. Patrick Klepek, how, how are you doing?
3: Look, are you some I, sort
1: of dog also?
0: No, well, I, I'm the brother of a dog that uh, Natalie uh, enjoys very much. Uh,
1: uh, is-
0: socks?
2: Isabel. Yeah. Isabel. Oh, Isabel. That, oh
0: no, my, this is
1: actually super funny. So,
0: yeah, this weekend I went to a Chicago festival called Riot Fest and I uh, tweeted out that I was going there because uh, I was going there in support of my brother and his uh, band, who has largely disbanded in, in the, in the years since uh, a lot of them hit their 30s, um, was uh, doing a reunion show, which is like one of the things that Riot Fest does, like they'll get together – Groups from like ten years ago and yeah. like play like their seminal album front to back or stuff like that and so they've been offered a couple of years and finally got uh, around to doing it this year and so I, yeah I just tweeted out that I was going to see the audition um, and uh, then this morning like I guess Twitter's algorithm like surfaced it to Natalie and then she realized that back in two thousand circa two thousand nine. Um, during her uh, her emo years uh, mm-hmm. that she was like a super fan of my brother's band and didn't put together that I was um, the, the brother of Tim Klopuk who was one of the guitarists in that band. And then there, I mean, I think I, we all witnessed what, what seemed like close to a meltdown no, oh, This yeah. morning as she like put this together and then I started just like pasting photos and videos into chat like of my brother like with my daughter and like by the end of was... it she
1: was singing in the lobby. Yeah. She was there playing was playing music.
0: And I'm just so upset because if I had known this 24 hours ago I would have gotten the band to make a very em- embarrassing oh, video yes. calling her out, but uh to, is, is not is not to be Twitter's he's still, He's still my brother, so I have a chance that I, I guess... One if she's, willi- if she's willing to settle for one of the audition, maybe I can still get that embarrassing video.
1: God, amazing. Uh, that's, that is... I, unfortunately, Natalie isn't here right now. She's dealing with some, some moving... She's moving apartments, and that happens, and it turns out moving apartments means dealing with like landlords and roommates and fees. And friends. And friends who visit... Unhelpful friends. I'm going to shout out Natalie's bad friend who <laughs> got her locked out of her own damn apartment. Uh... I bring this up because Natalie actually gave me a letter to read regarding our first segment here today, oh. and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it off by reading this letter from Natalie.
2: Okay.
1: Dear Waypointers, unfortunately, my voice is unable to be on the podcast today. I hope that my words can suffice in its place. Last Thursday, something happened. There has been a tangible shift in the workings of the universe. A new world is upon us. The air there smells better. The flowers look brighter. Their fish's scales are shinier. Their bugs hum prettier songs. Their fruit tastes sweeter. Public works projects come to fruition. A raccoon controls the better part of the economy. Animal Crossing is coming to the switch in 2019. We have prayed. We have begged. And our pleas have finally been answered. In the year of our Isabelle, 2019, we will be returning to our beloved villages once again, yet this time anew. I find myself smiling more these days since the announcement. Life just feels a little better knowing that there is an Animal Crossing game on the horizon. I know you all must share my feelings of purest joy when thinking of our not-too-far-off future. All my best. Natalie, Audition Lover 22, Watson.
3: (laughs) Definitely a Yahoo account.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> so at the
3: end there, it's starting to sound like Natalie's starting a cult. You know, and she's like already in
0: one. Isn't that how you would describe most Animal Crossing fans?
3: <laughs> That's I, very true. I,
1: I, called out. I, we should. So we shot. There was a Nintendo Direct last week that ended on maybe the biggest troll I've seen Nintendo do. It was good. You were watching. You were live tweeting it. I, uh, I had a whole thread. You did. What were your What were your thoughts? Just gen, let's talk generally about, right, the animal, general about the about the Nintendo Direct.
2: Well, the biggest theme. Yeah. Is that Luigi's dead again?
1: Is that the biggest theme? Luigi is
2: dead. Waluigi, nowhere to be found.
1: It's also probably and dead. And
2: Isabelle. Back. Isabelle's back. Thank God. So we've got like a, a, a switching of the guards. Death here, and Return. Basically, of like, you know, different right. Nintendo characters are back in or back out, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. You know, various things are happening. Uh, Luigi is dead, though.
1: Right, because it was the first thing they opened with.
2: They started with Luigi's Mansion 3, a teaser, like a very, very so short teaser. So I missed teaser. that.
1: I missed that because I came in right after that. What, okay. what was that, what's that? look? Was that gameplay footage? What was that?
2: No, it was definitely like a CG, like oh, a okay. very, very short teaser. It was maybe 30 seconds long, maybe a tiny bit more.
1: Just doing Luigi you know, don't shit. Don't quote me
2: on exactly how long, but yeah. he kind of comes in the door, and you can see he's in a creepy mansion again. Okay. He's kind of looking around, being scared. Ghosts. He appears to be alive in this. Okay. Now... The real science here, what I really want the real scientist to come in on is whether or not he's dead, because in the Luigi's Mansion remake, which is also coming out soon, the remake for the Nintendo DS, yeah. there is a two-player mode oh. where the second player can play as Ghost Luigi, which means he's dead.
1: Well, he got killed earlier this year, remember, exactly. from that, um, what was it, Was it Ridley? No, who, oh, it yeah. was like, the, yeah, it was Ridley. death. No, it was death, it was death, oh, it was a different right. Animal That's Crossing right. thing. Got death killed, so that's when go- that's when it's just a timeline. So maybe Luigi yeah. Mansion Three is a prequel.
2: Oh, it might be <laughs> before yeah.
1: Luigi gets killed by death in Smash Brothers. Who
2: is then? But then he's both dead and alive in the remake of Luigi's Mansion. So was that also of this announced? Was a that- single player and double? Yeah, so that was announced. Like details about Luigi's gotcha. Mansion, uh, the remake, which
1: for the has DS. a two player mode. That's right, and which one of you plays as Luigi's ghost? Yeah,
2: a green ghost.
1: It, maybe it's just a green ghost that looks like Luigi. Maybe it's a different ghost.
2: I mean, that's possible. How or is it Luigi from another time. Have line? any of
1: you ever dealt with ghosts? Have you fought a ghost before?
2: In real life?
0: No, oh. but last night my, uh, uh, my, my wife uh, was walking our dog, and uh, apparently she uh, looked over at her arm, and she saw the biggest spider she has ever seen just hanging out on her arm. Fuck and so that. She, and this is 10, like 10 p.m. at night she screamed as though she was being like, like murdered the
2: Murdered right. by a spider yeah
0: and um she's not afraid of spiders but this, she was like this is a this this was a not a spider this was a cat this was a spider right. and someone actually came out like running to like make sure she was okay wow. that's and was nice. and, and was like do you want a glass of water do you need to sit down and she was like no it was a that's nice it was just a, it was a spider she was a spider. That's and very then she, funny. She came home. Did all she like just
1: like shake it off of her? What'd she do? She like literally just like
0: spat. The way it was described to me, because I was not with her, was like <laughs> spasm. Like <laughs> your body just revolted in a way. Probably like, not unlike off. what you would do if like you encountered. Like, what would you actually do if you saw a ghost? Ah! Like, right. And you that's what her body ghost. did.
2: get me, right. Yeah.
0: But they, like, made How? the miscalculation of not knowing where the... Like, tracking where the spider went. That's the thus, problem. Then having to just, like, sprint away and just... Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> fuck so that. we have a, good,
2: a useful scale here. You have a very small dog. Yeah. Pixel's a, a wee dog. Mm-hmm. How big was the spider in relation to the dog?
0: Well, it's... I think it was more along the lines of, like, the kind of spiders you normally encounter in the Midwest, which is, like, the... Bi- you're usually, like, big spiders, like, a... a, a daddy long legs, you know, like, the, with the really okay. yeah. long... legs. Yeah. Um, yeah, Okay, okay. Um, that's, like, the... You know, you'll see smaller spiders, but like that's like the biggest you're gonna see. The way she described this was like day Lings barely even looks like a spider. Honestly, yeah, we have It looks more like an insect or a but you know yeah. Yeah. to be more yeah, yeah, g- yeah. general. You don't necessarily look at it and go spider. She right. said you looked at this and went motherfucker, that's a spider. Oh, and that's the worst. <laughs> that's bad.
3: I hate it. I hate. What if it was it. just a noble orb weaver? <laughs> <laughs> Heavy you, with you, eggs. I hate this. You're going to stop it's their talking. their magnum
2: opus.
1: I hate this. Right? Why? Ugh, I, Kirby's Epic Yarn is also coming to 3DS. I'm excited about that. I'm just moving on. Yarns have three. or Kirby, the greatest orb weaver of them all. True. true <laughs> the truth.
2: That um, game is adorable. So and that good, was out on by Wii, the Wii U.
1: That is now coming to 3DS?
2: It was actually out on, it was a on Wii. Wii. That was, a Wii that was one. almost 10 years Yoshi, ago. That was 2009.
1: Yoshi Yarn
2: something was Wii U? Yoshi's Epic Yarn? Yes, yeah. correct. That's right.
1: Okay. And okay. also 3DS. Jesus, was Epic Yarn really, like, a decade ago?
2: Epic Yarn was 2009. Yeah. Almost a decade ago. Cool. Yeah, right? It's a good and cute game, so um Lots of
1: 3DS talk. stuff, actually, yeah. at this event, because there was also Bowser's Inside Story with uh, Bowser Jr., Bowser Jr.'s Journey or something. Yes. Right? I didn't play these. Do you know? They're right? all, they're all I like ports, them. right? That's yeah. pretty, basically, yeah.
0: the 3DS is now, is, like, they're just kind of dumping, yeah. like, easy to shovel, sort of stuff on there where it seems like the biggest stuff is is like for a while I thought maybe they would try and straddle both, like you'd yeah, get like versions yeah. on three DS and Switch. It seems like the Switch has been successful enough that they said, uh eh, like actually what we should do is just put like like for example like the you know, like the uh, the new Game Freak game, Town. Isn't that with like yeah, the temporary game? Yeah.
1: Well, is, is, is that who does is? is that Game Freak? Yeah. Oh yeah, wow so. it's yeah okay.
0: it's it's being it's being kind of looked at as like, oh, cool. is this like if you if you're wondering what Pokemon is going to look like next year, yeah. like this is probably like a pretty good sign of like the kind of game you should expect. Right. Um, but that's the kind of game you would think like, oh, Game Freak, like the folks who do Pokemon, like they should probably put that on both platforms, right? And it's like, ah, well, actually, they're just putting it on Switch. Switch or at least that's all they've announced, and so that makes me happy because I'd rather they focus their efforts. I'd like to see you know the, the Switch versions be the best versions they can. But totally, um, and even these ports, like I would play Epic Yarn again. I would play Luigi's Mansion One, or at least I would yeah. I would pay like. Fifteen bucks to like just have it archived on my, Switch. you know <laughs> what I mean? Free. Like, Honestly, I, yeah. I, I look at my yeah. Switch as, like I'm. Whatever happens in the next ten years, like there's probably there's going to be a consistency with that library yeah. that I feel for the first time in a long time. Okay paying for some older games just to have easy access to them and the portability. But like, what world am I going to go open up my 3DS to play Luigi's Mansion, which is like a game I like a lot. Yeah. I didn't like the second one very much, but I like the first one and a lot. And you're not going to replay um, it
1: on 3DS, probably. No. I would, like,
0: if I got a code, I would, like, open it up, play a level, and then... Like go back to forgetting
1: where my charger was. Is that was. the sound ghosts make when they get <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, spider the, ghosts. The, yeah. Definitely.
0: That's yeah. that's bad. Spider no, spider ghosts sound like the worst. It's bad.
2: That's At least bad. a
0: spider I can get away from or uh, Spider ghosts go through walls. Way. It can climb on <laughs> walls
3: and go through them.
2: And also walk on your ghosts. face, but you can't get it off your face.
3: Rob. Spider Ghost is also the surest sign that your DM has completely run out of ideas. <laughs> <I don't laughs> and know. then, um, coming the through the door, you see a spider ghost.
1: It has eight <laughs> legs, and you can count them all because you can see through the front legs because they're ghosts. You can see the back ones. Whoa. Is it making web or ectoplasm? Both. Both. <laughs> spider Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, roll for initiative. Go- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> God. <laughs> AC-15. Um, uh, what else? What else stuck out to you, Danielle? Uh, Anything? You, you did a big live tweet thread. I, I
2: have my, my tweet uh, thread here, which was very special to me. There was a Splatoon 2 extra oh, content. Um, I didn't pay that much attention to it because oh. I was so shocked by the idea of Peachette, which is... Uh, oh, that's, that
1: was part of what? New Super Mario
0: Brothers. Yes, U? Yes, New
2: Super Mario Bros. You yeah. something something Deluxe. subtitle.
0: Yeah, it was the Wii U one Deluxe? that uh, uh, people like like I didn't for whatever reason not buy. It. I played a lot of new New Super Mario Brothers on the Wii. Really enjoyed right. that. I played it as like a four player game, like front to back, and like had a yeah. great time with it. But apparently, like from folks I trust on platformers, they say the Wii U one is like deeply underrated as like a like that's exciting ape a plus platformer for that style of platformer that uh, has gotten overlooked. A lot because the aesthetic sucks. Yeah. Like it does not. It's not enjoyable to look at in any way. Wah. But apparently, it's a
1: well-made uh, platformer. <laughs> That's what it's just like. Wah. Wah. Oh, oh yeah, pro- that too. Yeah, it's the worst.
2: <laughs> they all sing. Um,
1: and yeah, it's just like it. It it has such like a. Like, there's nothing distinct about it in a way that like I can wrap up what the aesthetic vibe is of the of that game um, nope. but but I hear the level design's great it's out in January so you know just in case you wanted to sneak in some more games during a not so busy time of the year uh, <laughs> the winter- I'm happy to,
0: I'm happy to have another Mario platformer on the go sure, though like sure, that that's because great. you know there's not going to be whatever is the follow-up to Odyssey is you know years away and so to have uh Something like that, especially one that, like, it didn't put a lot of time into. And that's also the version they put out. This began the year of Luigi, I believe, was exactly. in There's the midst
2: whole of Luigi this. a update to it, yeah. Um, which is, like, right. brand new
0: levels. Like, so, like, th- that package is probably going to be, like, pretty yeah. co- compelling as far well, as, uh, and, uh, and also
2: Peachette. So what's up with Peachette? Peachette, uh, I think what happened is that Peach and Toadette had a baby through some sort of, like, fungi yeah. reproduction. Um,
1: Wait, f- there was a fun guy involved?
2: Well, there well, might have well, been. Okay. I'm not sure. I need to look into this. Again, the Mario scientists, we'll maybe Supper Mario Broth can uh <laughs> help me out a little bit. Oh yeah, I guess speaking
1: one. of speaking of Mario, <laughs> Danielle shouting out Super Mario Broth, uh no Supper Supper, supper, supper Mario, Mario broth, broth, uh which is a very fun Mario fan blog filled with like incredible Mario facts that Patrick you just did an interview with the person who runs it.
0: Yeah, I just yeah, it's it's up on the site now. I did a profile uh on um well he – Asked me to refer to him as Broth. I can't tell you any more than that. He also did not – I was like, hey, do, do, for the purposes of me talking to you in this conversation, would you like – could you – do you want to tell me your name and I'll just leave it out of the article? And instead it was for the purposes of this conversation, you can call me Broth. Like, very okay. good.
2: I like that a lot. That um, but God. yeah, it's a,
0: it's a Tumblr and uh, Twitter account that um, has just thousands upon thousands of just like very meticulous uh, research, trivia, images – gifs like just it runs the gamut on on if you're in even if you're not really into mario like it's just fascinating as a, as a deep dive um and uh the reason i stumbled onto writing about him was because um his power was going to go out. Um, he d- doesn't have a lot of money, right. and the, he, yeah. like, literally was paying for internet in data chunks at a time, which meant he was doing a lot of work offline and then strategically figuring out what he was using to his time. Anyway, so he opened up a Patreon, and uh, as a result, has gone from being – having to be, like, kind of uh, – he likes his privacy, likes being anonymous. But in order to have a Patreon, you sort of have to break down that barrier a little yeah. bit. And so uh, we chatted about uh, a bunch of that stuff on uh, a story that's on the site
1: any any details from super mario broth about nabbit or Toadette or peachette who are the new characters <laughs> in super mario bros u deluxe
0: i mean one of the things that he does do is that when these announcements happen he goes through and kind of helps explain some of nintendo's thinking like i think he has explained or found the uh, explanation for like why there's like a, a mushroom that you grab in the in the in the, in the switch super mario brothers u that like turns i don't know there's go back He's got some stu- tidbits already about the, okay. the stuff he's got some on science his direct. On it. Good, yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Um, I guess those are the two characters. Nabbit. So, so you play as already in that game. You could play as Luigi, Mario, Toad, and Toadette, right? Right. Uh, or maybe that's maybe Toadette is new. One of the new ones is Nabbit, Nabbit who is that's right. is Nabbit from something. Nabbit just looks like a like one of the like a rabbit to me. Is that the one from uh, Link Between Worlds?
0: Is that who Nabbit is?
2: It might be Nabbit. Definitely rings a bell. I might need a, a Super Mario uh, helper, um, um, a broth helper.
1: From oh no, uh, from Luigi U. It looks like was it was in Super, New Super Mario Brothers U, robbing Toad houses. Uh, and Nabbit looks
2: kind of like an evil clown rabbit.
1: Yeah, it's, right? like, it's like a rabbit with like a bandana on its on its face with okay. like okay, grr, yeah,
2: yeah. There we go. It looks a little evil.
1: It does. Well, and the its good news is... Its teeth are
2: bigger than anything else.
1: Nabbit uh, can run around without touching anything. Nabbit cool. is, like, a really... I love this as, like, a mode for, like, a like an added yeah. difficulty mode. of just Like, like the
2: funky mode. In yeah, the funky exactly.
1: Funky. I love yeah. that stuff. I love that it's, like, kind of diegetic and that, like, oh, yeah, we're not just going to, like, make it so that Mario doesn't... Like, Mario gets hit by things, but Nabbit, Nabbit doesn't. And, like, that's a fun way to, to make games a little more accessible. Um, and then, yeah, Toadette, who can get this special, like, crown mushroom or something... And okay. turn into Peach.
2: There's a lot going on there. Yeah. There's a That's lot That's the going one on. that,
0: that he explains. So if we okay. go back to the Super Mario Bros. there, he found like a, not like a, uh, a, a mythos explanation, but like a logical explanation for how I Nintendo see. has handled some of that stuff in the past, I believe. Gotcha, very, nice, gotcha, very nice, gotcha.
2: Peachette was the one that- that Spoke to you. Spoke to me, you know, personally as the, as the child, the love child of Peach and it.
1: She's like she has like a uh, a regular peach dress on, but it has like kind of toadette toad style spots on it. Yes, and also she has like a toad cra- like toad head inside She's of the half crown. Half
2: human, half mushroom. Half
1: mushroom. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm down. Yeah, you know? what, it's pretty cool. Good good for her. And
2: then my next note was Katamari switch.
1: Oh right, Katamari, Katamari switch. switch. What's the actual name of that? That has like a. Uh,
2: uh it's like re.
1: It should be like re rolled. It. Uh, yes, it's like re rolled uh, uh, or something like that. It is. It is re-rolled. It is re-rolled. Katamari <laughs> re-rolled, is out this winter. Uh, I'm just happy that, like, that's on Switch. That feels like such a natural fit to me. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, vibe and, and attitude and, like, style. Um, and the original is
0: still good. Though. They never got anywhere close to capturing right. the magic of the original and the sequels, which ranged from fine to okay, mm-hmm. but it was sort of the definition of a game that probably, like, no publisher is going to contain themselves, but in the sequels proved that it was a one-off that just should have been that
1: yeah, thing. Yeah.
0: Um. And I'm I'm just glad that th- that is the kind of game that when I think about what, what would I go back and pay, you know, 20 bucks for or 30 bucks for? Just to have. Just to have. Like, that is a game that it's... Oh, it has been long enough that, I, yes, I would love to... Even I only played it for an hour, like, that that would be enough for me um to have that game portable. That's just a, a really nice... Those are the kinds of. I hope we're getting a lot more. If that's what's going to pad between like the big Nintendo releases, yeah. it's like more games like that would
1: yeah. be appreciated. Totally.
2: I've actually never played it. It's um. I mean, I know I, the whole. I bet thing it holds up. It, but I, bet I've it never up. I bet it holds up. I bet
1: it holds up. I bet like just especially the I mean, soundtrack. Liked, you liked Donut County, right?
2: Loved it. Yeah, I bet yeah, you so loved <laughs> Katamari. Yeah, <laughs> there are
0: arguments to be made that <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, Donut County owes a lot to Katamari. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, this just in. Shout out to Kato for putting this across our desks. This comes in from Mario Broth blog on Twitter. Oh, good. Toadette's transformation into Peachette upon collecting a crown in New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe may be a reference to Yoshi's ability to transform into Mario, Luigi, and Wario by picking up their hats in Super Mario 64 DS. Oh. Uh, and then there's a screenshot here of from, the, I guess, the instruction manual. Uh, That says by wearing a cap, Yoshi can turn into Mario, Luigi, or Wario. When he does, he can perform any of that character's unique moves. And then a similar screenshot from from Super Mario uh, sixty four, Super Mario Bros. Brothers U delu- Deluxe. Deluxe. New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. Yes. Uh, here's what I love. Is there's a follow-up from a fan who says, wow, you're quick, but are you sure this post is compliant to your veracity policy? <gasps> and, Super, and Super Mario Broth says, yes, as I merely point out that the concepts on display are very similar and have never been done in other Mario series games, and so there's a possibility of it being a reference. If I said is a reference instead of maybe a reference, that would be undue speculation. And the fan says, I understand. Keep up the good work. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so well, one of the good. one of the one of the things I explore in my profile is uh, a, one of the things I wanted to answer for myself was whether, like, if the is the meticulousness is that like is that language a bit like is right. was is that someone like you know putting on their their monocle and like being kind of funny and like no. Like, 100%, that is not a bit. That is, like, this person takes this deeply seriously. It's, like, in, incredibly important to them. And, yes, it definitely comes across as funny. Uh, like, I laugh at that. Like, that exchange is hilarious. But it is definitely not
1: It is not coming for laughs from, from Mr. Broth. Got shout you. out to the Broth. Gotcha. Thank you, Broth. Uh, uh, thank you, Broth. Yeah. Love uh, soup. What else? Uh, Switch Online. So Nintendo, what's the actual name of that service? Is it just the Nintendo Online Service? I don't know. I just, I'm not going to pay for it. So, uh, it is going to cost you 3.99 a month, 7.99 for three months, or 20 bucks, 19.99. And there's like a family a pack. There is a family yeah. pack. Um, it lets you do cloud saves for most games, but not most all ga- games. Nah, That's a little
0: online games, which is like especially funny with Splatoon, which is not going to support it because it's like wow. It's awesome to buy a game and then six months later have to pay for the online yeah. to play that game. Not but, a good look. You should have just exempted yes. that game and said going forward new release. Especially when you have things like Fortnite, which will not require the online service. Oh, really? Um, oh, because it's a free yeah. game? Is that why? It's a free to play. Um, yeah. But on I believe on PSN, you need PlayStation Plus to play. Free. I might be getting this wrong. but I, I believe you might they, be
1: wrong. Are all of them?
0: It's an
2: Epic free- account, isn't it?
1: On, yeah, on PS4, anything that's free to play does not need PS does right. not okay. need PS Plus. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. If I, I, maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Either way, it's, case still, it's, still, it's
0: still silly to charge money for yes. a, a game that has uh, been out for six months where you haven't paid. Totally. Now, like, explain that to your kid.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, so what, that, what comes with this new service is uh, the cloud saving, which, again, except for some online games like Splatoon 2, also Dark Souls Remastered won't have. Well not it, which is because it's online, online, I guess. Yeah, yep. great. Uh, or FIFA 19. So yeah, I guess online huh. games, which is like,
0: but those you know, games- other every other platform for these games, like right? it's not like if it's women, like, it was like oh Splatoon 2. Maybe Nintendo just I don't know they're behind the eight ball on this stuff because they often are. But uh, like Dark not Souls having, Master yeah, is not on three other platforms.
1: That. that sucks.
2: We don't have cloud saves on a PS4 account generally either.
1: Right, but I'm saying, but if you have PS4, if you have PS Plus, you do. That's one right. of the things PS you use with PS Plus, Plus.
2: But, like, it's, it is the but service. This is saying,
1: their service. This but is a, you this don't is get with it, the service, You don't get it with Dark that Souls. Is bananas. They're saying, like, because yeah, it's an online game, because it will allow cheating.
2: And I'll be clear,
1: it does allow cheating. I use it to <laughs> cheat. am <laughs> <Flat laughs> dynamite, we sell drugs in the community. <laughs> um, but, like, there are definitely times. In fact, I had to do it. Where did I have to do it? There was a game recently that had two endings. And I'm so thankful that I. Far Cry. Far Cry. Right? Yeah, there you Far go. Cry 5 before, recently. Before launch, it had a bug where if you chose one of the two endings, it would just loop it you. you, it in, locked yeah. you in, and you could never go back and play the game again, uh, and so I was stuck in that ending, but thankfully I'd uplo- uploaded a cloud save to, to PS Plus so that I could download it and go back in. Like, yeah, you could totally do that to keep your record or whatever, or to keep your items from breaking in Dark Souls or whatever, but let me fucking, I don't care, let me you upload You paid my for fucking, the damn service! Or, or <clears throat> those games should have client-side cloud saves, like, built in on their side so that I can... Be like, yeah. Here's my ticket. Here's my like validation. Let me download my save if I get a new right. switch, right. whatever. Yeah,
0: and, yeah. and it's just... this the online stuff on Switch bothers me. I mean, I think some basic level of like cloud service should just be part of buying a console. Yeah. Um, and Switch is a pre- particularly egregious because there is no easy way to back up local saves. Right. So right. on the Xbox and the PlayStation, if you don't want to, well, Xbox cloud saves are just part of buying the console. That you don't need to have gold right. to have it. Once you have Xbox Live, you get cloud saves. I mean. They run, was it, Azure, Azure, whatever their online service, like, you yeah. know, they have an infrastructure there. You pay for it on PlayStation. But at least on both those platforms, you can easily do your own backups if, like, say, every six USB. months I'm just going to back up all my saves. You cannot do that on Switch. And I think it is bullshit that there isn't some sort of recovery process for, for you if um, – you're un- I mean, 20 bucks is, is fairly reasonable as far as these things go. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. who doesn't want to pay $20 a year to get the right to pay $80 for some Nintendo ass Joy Cons?
2: You have to be okay, a member we of that there. service. Yeah. Oh, now, yep. What so a privilege! What, the other-
0: what, what are- a right to be a consumer!
1: <laughs> Gamer Nation rise up. The Switch is getting new NES style controllers. Says uh, Kirk Hamilton over at Kotaku. They
2: are cute. They
1: look dope. You said they
2: are really cute.
1: Yeah, but
0: I'm not going to pay for that online service, and I'm not so certainly not going to gonna pay eighty dollars for a Joy-Con.
1: If you're you have to be a member of the Nintendo online service, Mario's and then,
2: posse. Mario,
1: you're part of Mario's posse. That's posse, what up. It's really called? It's, it's a big dog T-shirt. Posse but it's, oh it's Mario crossing his his arms, and <laughs> his hat is tilted off to one side. <laughs> um. And if it, I was if I was paying twenty bucks to become part of Mario's posse, I it, would pay yeah. the twenty dollars. He says, "Posse up, <laughs> gamers! Uh, it's a me, Mario. Posse up!" <laughs> um, and you could buy these NES style controllers. They just look like NES controllers. Um, and the reason that's important, I guess, is another part of the clouds or the the Nintendo Online Service is access to what they're saying will be an expanding library of classic games. Uh, it's starting with twenty games on service, I believe, um, including like. Tecmo Bowl and Super Mario Brothers and Donkey Kong.
2: They should have just put NES Remix as the thing because that is a much friendlier way of to learning about those stuff. games yeah. and playing those games, and they're good and they're from several years ago. I
1: am glad that you're just you are just getting Okay, here's some games. Like I right. I'm I'm happy like the remix didn't let you just play the broad ass game, right? Just like, no, boom. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, Other stuff on there, Dr. Mario, it looks like, Balloon Fight, uh, Zelda, Legend of Zelda, um, you know, uh, here we go, launch titles, I got it. Tennis, Soccer, Mm -hmm. Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, Mm -hmm. Super Mario Brothers, Mm -hmm. Balloon Fight, Ice Climber, Dr. Mario, (laughs) The Legend of Zelda, Super Mario Brothers 3, Double Dragon, River City Ransom, Ghosts and Goblins, Tecmo Bowl, not Tecmo Super Bowl, which is a mistake, uh, uh, Gradius, uh, Pro Wrestling, Excite Bike, Yoshi, a game that very few people have played, Yoshi. Uh, Ice Hockey, that's and the, That's the ball. puzzle game, that's right? That's the puzzle game, yeah. yeah. With, like, um, cookies? With cookies. Oh, no, that might be Yoshi's Cookie. Yoshi's Cookie is Yoshi's a different game. might be separate from Yoshi. Yeah, Yoshi is its own game. Separate game. Oh. Okay. Um, I believe. Uh, th- that's fine. I. Eh. And these are all things you can
2: do. You have the NES Classic because you have most of these.
1: Like, do you have the internet because you have most of these? Yeah, do you have, have Nesticle because you, haven't you have most of these? i bought all of these like 800 times before. Yeah, uh, and I get it. Like, it's I'm I want that. If that service was 200 games, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah,
2: and had N64 right. library, SNES library. You just know, just
1: start dipping like, in that.
2: Yeah. talk to Cube me in games? a year,
0: basically. Yeah, I want Super more. Mario
2: Sunshine, I want to play Super. Mario, Sunshine.
0: They don't want to give that... See, that, that's the, They're, the test that? of the $20, service. $20, $30. $30 right. yeah, yeah, of
2: course. Of course, yeah. That would be fine. I want to play it again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, if, they would, if, they, if they went through and, like, cleaned it up and, like, gave yeah. you, like, proper control, I, I mean, I yeah. I would like, pay week or for HD that. Like, HD
2: style.
1: Right. Um, yeah. Some other stuff from this, Game Freak's working on uh, Town, which we mentioned, which is like an RPG, like an action RPG-looking thing that all takes place in mm-hmm. one town. That looks cute. Yeah. I'm down. Uh, City Skyline is apparently down out town. on Switch. It's kind of great. Um, which is cool. I haven't yeah. seen how that looks or how that plays. I, I, I know one person who plays lots of City Skylines. Well... They're not on Twitter anymore. No, he left so, Twitter. So Nick Capazzoli left Twitter. I'm not getting my city skylines we, fixed. We
2: skipped over something very important, also. What did I skip over? There was a Mario Party.
1: Oh, did I skip that? But
2: don't worry about it, because the really important thing was the fact that Diablo was announced for the Switch, and it was announced oh, yeah. with the fervor and good cheer of a Nintendo announcer man saying something along the lines of, like... Blow down the doors of hell. And, like, <laughs> it was very good. Was Nintendo allowed to say hell? That's the thing. they The dude said it. He was like, gather your friends and blow down the doors to hell. I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was along those lines. And he definitely said something about that. We fury get Reg- of hell. You're
1: right. Can we get Reggie saying, stay a while and listen? Can like, <laughs> we get, like.
2: With the same with voice. With the same voice, yeah. It was beautiful. God.
1: Um. So yeah. That's that out that's there? out. Is that out this year or next year?
3: Mm-hmm. I this, that's year. Out this year. I'm curious
1: about that. I never played any of the Diablo three DLC. I never played it on Pete or on a console. And I hear that was a really fun way to play those games. Yeah. Uh, Civ six also coming to to Switch. Um, later this year, November, which is interesting. I didn't put enough time into Civ six, and it's fascinating to me to to think about playing those games on on console or on switch specifically rob you you look like you have some
3: deep thoughts here i mean i'm just like genuinely i'm really curious how it's going to perform because like civ6 on my pc (laughs) isn't amazing like especially every civ game toward the end game it begins to really demonstrate like how cpu locked are you basically like how like how's how's your hardware uh so i'm really curious how this is going to play uh but that being said if they manage to make this work and work smoothly yeah that would probably get me back into Civ in a lot of because like because if i'm in like desktop mode like there's a lot of other games now that i generally like prefer to play and in, instead of Civ, but like Civ on the go. Civ on the go. Civ There's, in the car. Don't play the, Civ behind Civ the,
1: the wheel. in the car! Don't do There's it. There's
3: a lot of people who, like, for years argued that, like, Civ Rev was quietly one of the best ways to play Civ. Like, hands down. And I'm curious if this will bring about sort of a renaissance for Civ sex.
1: Yeah, that could be really interesting. And
3: just generally anytime as someone who likes strategy
1: games, um, but who sometimes has a hard time getting people into them... I love whenever there's a new thing I can point to. Like, hey, try this. Um, I really liked the revolution for that. Actually, years ago, I was just like, hey, this will give you the the gist of why I like these things. Um, so I'm very curious to see how that thing plays. Yeah. Um, hey, do you like Final, Final Fantasy? <laughs> yeah, Final Fantasy VIII. Well, I got bad news for you. <laughs> and only uh, Yeah, there was that great. There was that great meme going around. That was the like. Uh, uh,
2: Give Squall
1: a chance. Not that one. That one's good, too. The, the <laughs> one that's just like the nine-box grid of all the Final Fantasies are just like, all your favorite Final Fantasies are coming <laughs> to Switch. You, 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 you. Not you. <laughs> you, 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 It's uh, so a world Final Fantasy, which, was, uh, which I thought was already out on Switch, but that fucking shows me I'm not paying close enough attention. Uh, uh, Final Fantasy XII, Zodiac Age is coming to Switch next year. Uh, the seven nine ten and ten two remasters are all coming to huh. switch next year. Uh, lots of Final Fantasy. lots of it and eight's good eight's the best Rob you had i you sent me down a fucking rabbit hole. <laughs> I read a page I read a whole long thing. I didn't tell you this um, but I certainly I'm gonna just say the name of this thing squall is dead.com oh
0: uh, uh, really quick. I said that. I forgot about that theory. There Aww. is,
1: there is, uh, there is a, 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 an ableist slur at, like, the very end of this page. I absolutely read, you know, 3,000 words <laughs> before this fucker <laughs> dropped the R word. But, like, she yeah. fucking sure did. Um, so just heads up about that going to com. But, boy, I read that whole theory. Oof. Rob, you, you, you led me there because of a tweet. <laughs> you want to talk about this?
3: Yeah, Look. Uh, I understand people not digging 8, but I think 8 becomes a really interesting game if you begin to just, like, open open your heart and your mind to the possibility that the things that don't quite seem to work, the weird shifts in relationships, and, like, the weird unsettling ending in which something just feels off about all the characters celebrating and, like, Squall isn't there, but then he is in the very final shot. But there's been no evidence of him existing in the in the happy reality of the rest of the victorious heroes in the final cutscene. And all of it begins to make a lot more sense if you assume that one way or another, the main character Squall does not make it to the end of that game. Right now, me personally, yeah, he's the Luigi of Final Fantasy X. Okay, okay. Uh, Now, now, me personally, I always believe that Squall died. Like later in the game, uh, oh, so like you buy the ice shard theory. Ah. I don't, but the ice shard theory is really compelling. It's it's that because because he Final gets half, shot in the
2: chest with a big ice shard. It's like through his you whole know, that, body that and shakes it off you. medically. You know this. that will often kill a person. Often, often, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And then the ice, melts, because melts, the ice melts. You're fine. That's it. <laughs> you're fine.
3: <laughs> uh, no. But that's exactly it. And, like, the other weird thing is, after, his, after the moment of his death, um, all his relationships are a little bit different. Like, the plot, yeah. like, is redirected, and the groundwork that was laid in the first act isn't really relevant anymore. Like, different, like, the game is moving in a different direction. And I think the game becomes way more interesting if you view the entire game as kind of a Lost-style purgatory Mm. Um in which characters are forced to confront both their regrets and the things about themselves that uh remain mysterious and have to resolve right. the inner tensions of the character uh and uh, find peace and resolution uh with their regrets those their desires yeah, yeah
1: absolutely there's this amazing shot of squall without a face oh it's too much.
2: Wall without a face, okay. yeah, look, look bring it up,
1: Kato, so, so that I Danielle, see it. you can just it's it's scary, and that's just in the here. ending. That's wow! just no, I got it it's right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? That's dead. He's wow. dead. He doesn't have a face. That's, that's
2: not even not a face. Yeah, that is a black hole in a skull. Yeah, where a face should be. I had squall hair over it.
1: I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I had not finished this game ever. I played Final Fantasy <laughs> VIII, but I never finished it, and so I watched all of the ending of that
3: game. That's creepy. Do you think do you think Squall is alive at the end of that game? Do you think no. he, he lives through that game? Me either. I don't think there's any like and apparently like this this theory's been put to the creator and they're like, ha funny fan theory. He, he you know, of course he's alive. I'm like Don't trust creators. Ain't the fucking game I played.
1: Is he
2: alive or is I he? I tell he undead. stories every
1: day. I lie constantly. People go, Hey Austin, what about Blob? No, I'm not telling you that. You know, that's have you seen my pin tweet ever? it's that david lynch quote yeah laughs Laps does uh, not answer yeah l- laughs does not answer yeah exactly Good. um all right well father eight was not at the nintendo
3: his call wasn't <laughs> dead before he sure shit is now came up and put two in the chest the wow. second ice shard ready going to do? What are they gonna do later? Just be like
0: like a year from now, be like, and now Final Fantasy <laughs> coming to the Switch. Like, this was its moment. If it's coming, there there's some speculation that maybe there's some hang up um because that game uh prominently features uh this song Eyes on Me, which yeah. is like a huge <laughs> oh, uh boy of, like, marketing and like a huge it's a huge cutscene and yes. it's by like a very prominent Japanese uh musician and that mm, maybe that is related licensing. to yeah. um because Japanese music licensing is a fucking thing. What so, if
2: um. a
1: year from now we get a Nintendo Direct and <laughs> we yeah, get please. an image of an astronaut floating in space, and it's just like from the side. It's like a side angle shot. You know, it's like a wide shot. So the astronaut's body floating in space, and then it turns, and the sh the glass shatters, and it reveals its Squall's face. And like, oh, they're bringing Final Fantasy eight finally to the Switch, and then it says Squall. Arri- the seed has has sprouted and Squall arrives in Smash Brothers Ultimate. <laughs> oh my And <laughs> <God>. they <laughs> bring him to Smash because that's basically what it looked like they were doing with Isabel from Animal Crossing: it, yes. New Leaf. They did this whole long running like CG cutscene of Isabel like do going about her chores in the mayor's office. Uh, Isabel's a very cute dog from Animal she Crossing: is. New Leaf. A game I have. A lot of fondness for it, even though also I wish it had let me be a person of color without having taken on an intense tanning regimen, which you can read about if you search for me in the screen, Austin Walker. Um, But it turned out Isabel in Smash, coming to Smash... And I think the entire uh, Internet, who cares about Animal Crossing? And I know a lot of people don't like Animal Crossing. Shout outs to people who don't like Animal Crossing. I, I know you like other stuff. That's cool. Uh, for those of us who enjoy Animal Crossing, this felt like a betrayal. Uh, but it also felt too cruel for Nintendo. Yeah. I could feel the, the, same, the same Nintendo who teased Ridley earlier this year and gave people Ridley and Smash Brothers was certain to come back around and give us a new Animal Crossing, and so finally we got this screen of a hollow-eyed Tom Nook staring at a screen until finally Animal Crossing 2019 appeared on 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 the screen. Yeah. Did uh, you qualify
3: his eyes as hollow,
2: kind of like Squall's face.
1: Basically Squall's face. Listen, I'm not. We can't get into the into the Nook course. The Nook, we, the nook course. Oof, yeah, we don't have the time. It's so much, Rob. It's. The 4
3: Waypoint's anything, new podcast only focused on Tom Nook. Is there anything to be said about Tom Nook that I can't get just by listening to Jolly Banker?
1: No. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of various takes out there <clears> on Twitter. <throat> Do yourself a favor and at this point, eject is what I would say. Eject. There are some fun threads out there, but it was a lot. Welcome I felt to, like I welcome couldn't to move. I felt like there were, I was surrounded by, by discourse minds. And there was no, there was no safe. The only, the only way to win is not to play <laughs> Animal Crossing 2019. Um, that's a Nintendo Direct. Uh, anything else? Oh, oh, there was um, one last thing I wanna, I do want to shout out. There's like a Capcom beat 'em up bundle that now comes oh, yeah. out fairly soon. Um, and I love the idea of those being bundled. Does that makes sense. That's like. Um, Whatever that King Arthur one was is in there. Um, Oh, shit. I loved that game. Yeah, me too. 100%. So much that I can't quite remember the name of it. So Knights of the Round? Knights of the Round. So that's like Knights of the Round, um, Final Fight. uh, There's a bunch of them in there. I want to say there's like four or six uh, in this this bundle. Um, The Switch
0: is also the world where I would even... Yes. I don't... I, I played a lot of beat ups in the SNES area, but it's not a genre that, like, I maintained a fondness for. I felt like at some point video games sort of passed that genre by, yes. and, like, the idea of, like, sitting down on, like, my big-ass TV and, like, I'm gonna play Final Fight. Like, it's, outside the realm of, like, playing with some friends where we're just, like, goofing around and being nostalgic, like, there's just no world I want to play those games right. ever again, but the idea of, like, oh, like, I've got 15 minutes on this train, like, I'll, I'll bust through some stages. Like, 100%. that sounds good.
1: Uh, especially as like a big single purchase, it's so much easier for me to be. Like, yeah, these seven beat 'em ups are how much worth? You know, I don't remember, and my computer is fighting me. <laughs> okay, you have a computer. Someone else could look this um, up. I'm I, your computer's at, I'm, trying to. How much? Would, how much beat-em-up. would you pay? Here's Who well, depends on what's in there? I would pay. I would pay.
0: Oh, okay, all right. So you don't know the whole lineup. Uh, I'm not in my see. head. I,
1: I'm trying to get it to load, yep. and it's um, it's be okay. I think I have the lineup. uh Okay. okay. Final fight king of the dragons which is like a fantasy one that i don't i didn't play um uh uh, this is a bad one for me like you you can't ask me this question actually because there is a game with giant robots in it that never came out in america and i only played it once got
0: captain commando that's like my favorite beat em of all time
1: captain commando in it um uh there's a there's a game called is it just what is it called? It's something. Robot. Two unreleased games: Armored Warriors. Armored is that the Warriors. You're talking Armored about? Warriors. I yeah. played in the bar in Jersey City once, uh, and I beat it because it was on free play.
0: Twenty bucks. Perfect. That's it. That's, mm. the, that's, number. The, that's, the, oh. that's the number. That's the price. That's the price. And that's twenty five dollars would have been too much. Twenty five dollars would have been too much. Too much.
1: But Final Fight, uh, 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 Captain Commando, Battle Circuit, which I've not played, Knights of the Round, uh, King of the Dragons. Armored Warriors—that was it called. Yeah. Um,
0: that's one of them listed here, yeah.
1: Uh, and I'm missing one. What's the one I'm missing? Warriors of Fate. I have no idea what that is. Probably also never came out here. Um, yeah, twenty bucks. That's the right. That's the uh, right. One. Online play.
0: And it comes pointing out, out. Some of the ones. Uh, a V P. Also one of my favorite beat 'em ups of oh, all AVP time. A V P
1: is a great wow. game.
2: Uh, um, Aliens vs.
0: Predator. Right, have you ever played right, that?
2: Right. I have not, but I I want to a video. A, with uh, a lot the of art. From it. In, uh,
0: the art in that game is so good. It makes mm. me want
1: that anime. It makes me want the Alien versus oh. Predator anime, uh which doesn't exist as far as I know, but that's in that world because it's just like so fucking cool. You can
2: use those sprites.
1: Right, exactly. You that's know. that's exactly yeah. or at least those character designs. There you so go. um Dang. awesome. Um what else? Anything else from the the? Oh, uh, board games, which is actually one of them is a couple of them are super interesting. Um, Munchkin is getting a game, uh, Catan, obviously, unsurprisingly, Carcassonne, Pandemic, and The Lord of the Rings: The Living Card Game are all mm. getting are all getting Switch. Which releases. looks like Hearthstone, basically, right? I I sort have of? no idea what the mechanics are, and I I'm like a weird card game player so i don't think many physical card games look like hearthstone because it's so weird but what's important there is that that's a fantasy flight game
3: um i mean i Mm. guess it's not
1: important anymore because
3: oh yeah they don't so you were you were living in a reality where like netrunner on switch for a heartbeat there and you just remembered that it's not you can't happen (laughs) now and you got sad i genuinely
1: want you to know i want to cry (laughs) Oh. Like, i genuinely am not happy about this oh. i've been looking at ebay for complete netrunner <laughs> collections i almost bid on one for like 550 dollars the other day see anyway. i'm like
3: i kind of want i've been sort of toying around with like hey i should get the starter set they put out and i'm you like well, what's the point now what's the point it's a
1: great game it's a great game it's a great game to own i want to own all
2: of it you can play it with your friends <laughs>
1: There are ways to play Friends. it online for free through services and stuff that I don't feel bad about now because yeah. It certainly will away. feel less bad
3: in a few months.
1: Exactly, Aww. exactly. Uh, speaking of uh, boarding, I think that's, that's probably it, but really quick before we go to break, Rob, you, you played a game called Mask of the Red Death Yeah. Over the weekend? Would you tell, tell me about that before we take a quick break. Uh, yeah, so it's Is it based on the Edgar Allan Poe yeah. story? It
3: sure is. Good. Oh, word, Good. okay. Uh, yeah, so, it's an odd little board game. Uh, it's very cute, almost, like, gory-esque in its art. Okay. And, basically, it's, um... So, if you know the story, it's a bunch of, uh, you know, nobles and well-to-do people trying to ride out some sort of, like, uh, plague, and they've yeah. all sort of holed up. And it's it's, you know, obviously... Heavy with metaphor, it's all the upper class swells deciding that while the rest of the world's like dying of plague, they're going to throw a big fucking party, uh, yeah. and they're going to ride it out that way, and then at midnight, the mysterious guest who's been at the ball the entire takes off the mask, and it's the Red Death, and it's been there at the party the whole time, and everyone dies. So, this game starts like you are one of the party goers, and... Uh, there's two things you're trying to do. One is you try to curry favor with uh, po- and popularity, and so mm. you impress people with your witticisms uh, and your dance moves, and you go and uh, flatter the uh, prince, Prince Prospero. Right. But you do all this by, um, you know, playing cards from your hand. But the main thing you're going to do is discuss rumors, uh, and Ooh. that's how you get information about what's going to happen My at album. midnight. Uh, (laughs) what's your favorite track on rumors um but the thing is like both the flaw and the not the flaw the whole point of the game that can make it a little inaccessible but also like something you you can get a little obsessed over Mm -hmm. is that so whoever's still alive at 1am is who's going to win the game odds of it being more than one person pretty poor um and death is going to be stalking through the ball from midnight to 1 a.m. at 10-minute increments. At midnight, your moves are pre-programmed. Your moves to avoid being in the same room with death. Uh, the, clock, the, the, the board is a circle. It's divided up into, I think, like six or eight wedges. And you move clockwise or counterclockwise. But at midnight, you've got to have it all programmed so you move automatically and keep avoiding death. All those cards you're collecting through the night, you're sort of looking at, what's the rumor? You right. get, a lot of those are going to show you a time and a room where death will not be. But death is going to go to two places every ten minutes after midnight. So you've got a decent chance of missing death, but like that one piece of information isn't enough. You've got one safe location, but what if that's not adjacent to... you know What if the, both the places adjacent to that are places that will get you killed? You're just uh, screwed. Move. Yeah. yeah. So the other thing is, you can also look at, like, there's hard information. There's a different kind of card that lets you look at, literally, for one of those time slots, the exact room that death will actually be in. So you see one of the two. You can't write anything down. Oh, it's all in good. your head. So what's going to happen is at around 12, so at around, like, Turn 11, which is like 11 p.m., people How are starting long is that to. that into your actual gameplay time? It's like it an moves hour pretty in. briskly, okay. but there's like 10 turns of setup, and okay. then, then things unfold in this programmatic in sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it moves very briskly because literally everyone just plays their card for that turn. Uh, you take your actions. Uh, some cards let you, like if you're in the same room with other characters, steal rumor cards from their hand sure. so you assemble more information. But. At 11 p.m., people are starting to like converge on the locations they've decided are safe. Right. And at that point, you have all these different times and rooms floating around in your head. And the really nightmarish thing is, at least how my brain works, um, I will associate a time and a room. I'll remember that. Will I remember why I remember that? Like, (laughs) so I know at eleven thirty. Like, so I know at one thirty. At twelve thirty, there was a reason. I was thinking. I have twelve thirty, and the, um, you know, the red room is in my head. Is that because I know for a fact death is going to be there, or is that because (laughs) I know for a fact death will not be there? Right, and. It's just that at the end of the game. And everyone is going through the same mental gymnastics. And so, like, it's just this kind of fun, like, memory test at the end. Like, you remove right. your program. You, you show your program moves. And death begins to move through the floor. Um, and people are people do a good job with the opening moves. But sure. Bit by bit. Yeah. Like, people just, like... Oh, turns out no. You remember that room because that was a death room. Sorry, and like so, people like sort of swan into death's path. Uh, It's it's a lot of fun. It's got a cool little design. There's lots of little fun Edgar Allan Quo Quo, uh, quote part uh, (laughs) on the cards. There's Poe quotes on the cards, and uh, there's also a cool little like clock that advances through the night, like a little clock tower. Please let uh, me have more clocks. Yeah, in my you, games. You, your your turn counter is like this, like giant clock tower that you advance Perfect. the the hand of time. It's really cool. Um, it's a lot of fun. I think if you have a good memory, or you have a fr- like, or a friend of yours has like a really good memory, that is that will win the game, right? Like whoever remembers best, uh, you know, is going to win. Although my partner actually cleaned up just by. Going maximum, just see all the cards, and like assemble oh, as many as possible. All the rumors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she brute forced it. Cool.
1: Well, it was cool. That's. It seems like. So did she win? Did she survive? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Very
3: nice.
1: Well, congrats. Uh, not she, isn't she like a doctor? Doesn't she like know science?
3: She does indeed.
1: <laughs> that makes sense. It turns out it's the elite. It's the, it's the academic elite who will survive the plague. We're still fucked We're down dead. here. Right? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Um, All right, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back talk a little bit more about some games we've been playing and then answer some question bucket questions. BRB. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. And I need to know, Patrick, have you stuck with The Messenger? I have. Uh, Did you get to the that part game, that's good? Oh, yeah.
0: No, I'm, yeah, I'm like eight hours into oh, the, okay, to the game now. Um, I'm, I'm deep into the turn that that game... Well, there's two turns, I guess, the, take, the game takes. Uh,
1: they're rapid. You know, there's like you... one... I mean, they're not rapid. They're anything but rapid. But no, once they... this
0: game needs to lap off like the first three hours. Uh, it's... it's uh, uh, the Ninja Gaiden part of it is... Yeah. It takes way too long to turn into the 8 uh, bit, 16 bit. Like, the game is pitched on, like, this, or at least, you know, it's whenever I've heard about this game, yep. people talked about this game. It's like, hey, you're going to jump between 18 bit and 16 bit timelines, and uh, it's a little Metroidy. And I was like, cool, that sounds awesome. Great. Yeah. And then that doesn't happen for like three hours into the game, and it's just like a, a really good Ninja Gaiden game, but one that doesn't have a lot of mechanics and isn't particularly difficult, and has yeah. like three enemies for you to fight. And I kept going, "What is why? What am I? It's, this is fine, but like it's around like three or four hours in when like all that stuff turns on, and now it's uh, tremendous, and I'm I'm really I'm really enjoying it. But I I think they took way if you either had to keep that all a secret and that was going to be a big reveal for the player like and everyone who played the game yeah. were like it, when you when you were recommending the game to people you'd be like there is a thing in this game you will when not it believe happens, it. yeah you yeah. are going to go holy shit uh they chose not to do that because it was the right thing <laughs> like it was probably right. better to show that that was like a central part of the game but then what they should have done was like get to that a lot faster or at least give you a flavor of it or like it's just excruciatingly long. Where someone that doesn't have a lot of reverence for the Ninja Gaiden games, like they're they're they respect for them and what they did, but I didn't play them growing up, and so just playing one of those without any real twists or or turns to it just didn't do anything yeah. for me, and I was getting bored. and I was just like wondering. It's got to be right around the corner, right? And then it was always around, like, six more corners. But now that I'm into it, I'm having a lot of fun doing the thing. Even though I've played a bunch of Metroid-style games this this summer. yeah. But this one has the right – it's enough twists on the formula that it feels – it doesn't feel like it's hanging its entire hat on going around a map and unlocking abilities. Um, It has a lot of other things that are interesting – About, like, just controlling it feels really, really good. It is a tremendous game to uh, control. And so that part of it is, like, always a joy to kind of, like, Float, grab, yeah. jump. Like there's just so many the, – the, the moment to moment even going through screens that I've been through a dozen times. The game could use a lot more fast travel. Mm-hmm. There are often instances where I'm having to needlessly go from – through like 20 screens for no good reason other than maybe I've discovered I've forgotten that, oh, right, I still can't do this part yet sort of right, thing. Right. But It um, took me a while I to really remember
1: like in the second half that if you go to the store, you can go back to the tower and get yourself – you can kind of cut through via yep. that. Uh, and that saved me some time, but I, it took me way too long to remember that. There, even you know, on the design side, when the, the first thing you get is this cloud step, which is such a smart elevation or, or, or kind of um, different version of a double jump um, mm-hmm. or like a, like a head bop jump where if you jump, you jump and you land. And if you jump and you hit something, you get a little cloud underneath your feet right. and then you can jump again. It gives you a second jump. And you can chain those together indefinitely, but it isn't just I hit a thing and it makes me jump again. And it isn't just you get a double jump. So you're always very active. And you can get those... And you can stack it. So once you
0: get like that, and then you also get the the grappling hook, and then you're climbing on walls. Like there's just so many fun movement tools that you have at your disposal where uh, it just takes too long for the game to give you all of that stuff. And then once you've chained... And then when you chain that with... The way – if people aren't familiar, the way you're going between 18-bit and 16-bit visuals uh, is like there's like these little portals that are scattered throughout the world. And they're they're kind of gen- sort of marked on a map where like if you enter an area, you'll know that there is a portal in that spot. And then the way you'll like – how you enter and traverse through those is important, right? So like right. there will be sections that you could only get through in a certain timeline. And so – it coming in right to left, whether you're coming into the areas 18 bit or 60, like there's just all these really interesting wrinkles that uh, it just it made me really frustrated how long it took to get there. But once once I was there, I I've been enthralled by it. It's been my uh, go to sitting around watching a football game that I'm mostly watching for fantasy, <laughs> uh, and um, uh, the messenger is is good. It and especially given all the games like it this year, um, like I punted on Guacamelee! 2 because I just have played too much right. of that and I don't really miss that I'm probably going to end up skipping it. Uh, even if you, like me, have felt some exhaustion, uh, this game is still worth seeking out. And it is it is so, you know, we we are Switch fanboys here at Waypoint, but like this game, this is one of many games that benefits from the platform yeah. and the portability right. uh, in a way that is is great.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. I, I want to find time to finish it. Even though I'm not a big action platformer person, it, I have really enjoyed my time with it. I still think some of the writing is off. Um, you know, they, there was that transphobic joke in the beginning of it that they've since pulled out, which I'm happy that they did that. Yeah, um, yeah but right I, thing to do. But I do think that the, that the fact that it was it was it was another. Did you just assume my? It wasn't assume my gender. It was did you just assume my pun or something? It, it was, was something
2: like that. Yeah. Like that,
1: and I'm glad that the,
0: that, the the writing of that game is is is, is, is try hard. Yes, it, it that's is, exactly it is, it. it is very there's writing something that happens to be humorous yeah. and then there's writing things because you want it to be humorous and there's a fine line between those things and uh certain writers can pull it off yep. um, and they clearly wanted this game to have a certain tone and a certain like writing style right, and it's a game that it gets like- them into tr- it gets them into trouble like for every like i would say like one in like for, there's a, there's an ongoing bit where uh, like the most amount of the Motherfucker, I just got a review code for that Capcom beat em up bundle.
2: <laughs> oh, good. Wow. Good.
1: They heard you. Hold on. They heard they're
0: you.
2: They're listening.
1: They're listening right now,
0: they're Patrick. In the,
2: they're uh, in the room.
1: I
0: know. Um, and uh, uh, sorry, I'm distracted. Distra- i got to go punch in this code right now. Yeah, right away. i got to get it. It's. It's, it's – uh, th- th- for every, like, one story that made me chuckle, five made me roll my eyes. And there is some genuinely funny writing in this game. Yep. But they probably should have done was just, like, pulled back on a lot of it um, or brought other people in to punch it up. I don't know the process. Maybe they did do that. I don't know. But I do know that, try- that it just feels like they were trying too hard. And trying too hard to be funny is one of the easiest ways. You see how they would run into that trap where they make a joke like that, right? Uh, it's, where it's, it's like you're looking for jokes – you're, you're t- looking in the wrong places. You're pulling from the wrong sources because you're trying so desperately to hit a certain style. Like, it's not an excuse. I just see how it, it, it happened. Well, I think it and it came just,
1: out of a place of trying too hard. It's indicative of, like, 2011-era internet humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of that. There's lots of, like, oh, I'm just being referential John Metroid right. gave me this ability or whatever bullshit, yeah. right? right? Right. Yes. Um, and like, uh, it, it gets dragged. I think there's overall some really cool narrative beats. Like, I actually think inside of the format of a retro action platformer, they're doing there are some things in there that totally work. But those things are tend not to be the comedic bits and do tend to be the just like, oh, here's the plot. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, Wider yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think I'm glad they listened to, to the feedback and pulled that joke. Um, That's but, the
0: way uh, to do that, is to say realize, sorry, hey, we up, say you fucked up, uh, fix and it, and take it out. Yep.
1: yep. Um, uh, I've been playing, I beat Frozen Synapse 2, um, oh. a game that we did a stream of a little while ago. I was playing Valkyria Chronicles 4, which is still good. I'm still playing it. I'm still like 28, 30 hours in there. Um, and around 28, I was like, I should take a break from Valkyria, do a nice little smaller tactics game that I know I have on my back, you know, on the shelf. Um, and play through Frozen Synapse 2 thinking that it would take me 15 hours um, because the first game was kind of a – so it's a, it is a same-time tactics game, which means that you and your opponent both put in your moves and then you hit go, right? You go like, we're going to go at the same time. Like you're going to move your troops here. I'm going to move my troops here. They're going to aim and the dice will roll or the, the rules will go into effect and we'll see who wins that fight. Um, it is a cyberpunk game, so I know. I, so I was like, I'm excited about this. The first one was a collection. The, the it was primarily a multiplayer game, but it did have a campaign, and that campaign was a collection of designed levels um, where you were given a set uh, of characters, a set of like character types. You can think about Frozen Samus being more like chess than like Final Fantasy Tactics or Shadowrunner XCOM. Um, in that, like in XCOM, you have Bill. Who is your assault rifle like support unit? And you have you have Jennifer, and she's your and I don't know why I'm not using our characters, Rob. You have Val, Robin, <laughs> and who Jennifer. is your ranger, yeah. and and you have Elena, who is your like sneaky sniper, you know, uh, uh, lady who's awesome. Um, and uh, uh, I can just name all of our characters. I want to. In Frozen Synapse, it's more like, here's an assault rifle unit, and they're basically the same as every assault rifle unit, and what they do is they shoot an, at an average speed, at an average distance. You know, they recognize an enemy at an average time versus a sniper who's far away, who takes longer to, to kind of uh, clock the enemy and zoom in and get the kill, right? But shoots from really far away and blah, 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 blah. Um, Frozen Synapse 2 is that, but in a big open like, world, kind of a strategic map. Where you're seeing this city um, and you are running a bureau of investigation that is tracking this thing called Sonata, which is a shape form or is – a I think they're called shape forms. So There's like a super AI. Um, this is a world filled with super AI. In fact, a world built with super AI uh, as partners. Like literally the, the, the actual streets have been made and the buildings were – Collaboratively made with these AI that were put into place to help rebuild the city after this catastrophe. Um, there's a lot of ambiguity in the fiction, which is really great around the like, all right, wait, did this stuff just – is this stuff – did this stuff just kind of phase into being? Is the world around us half digital? Like there's a lot of – The metaphysics of this
3: universe yes. really fascinating. Like whatever the catastrophe yes. is, in the process of creating these super AIs – And rebuilding their reality, partly in conjunction with these AIs, it's almost like the world now. Other dimensions do exist; it's where the AIs dwell. But there's also this feeling that those who live in the city also inhabit this liminal zone between the uh, digital space and the real. Uh, It's an interesting game.
1: The last real city, but like. They also refer to other places, and there are moments where are like, oh, yeah, you've been in other theaters of war and you've been to other places, but this is somehow the real city because it is this liminal space between the purely digital world of these super AI and the kind of, like, mud and guts of regular humans. I hmm. mean, um, in fact, the troops that you use are shape forms or are, are, vat, forms. are vat forms, which are bodies that have basically been printed out of these giant vats, um, and that you can reprint indefinitely. So if your assault, if Bill the assault rifle guy dies, you just print yourself a new Bill, Bill two. Bill yeah. two. Yeah. And if you and the way this game works is that there's like a set of services you can buy, so that like oh if you if you want Bill too fast uh, faster if, you, if he's died and you want a faster Bill two, get yourself a better vat to print yourself a better vat uh, vat body quicker. Um, or maybe you want to invest in silencers so that when you go into a mission and don't want to be seen as quickly or have a response time as quick, you have silencers on your guns. Or you can spend that money to get better uh, uh, political uh, uh, agents so that you get, uh, you're get you able to get uh, better relationships with your opponents more quickly. In any case, I thought that game was going to take me 15 hours because the first game took me about that long. It took me like 40. Um, I, to be fair, 40 was like one and a quarter campaigns. So I'd say the full campaign was probably something like... 30 hours, 32 hours. Um, And the point of the campaign is you're investigating this, this super AI called Sonata, which is, is attacking various places in the city. Those missions are still handcrafted or at least the, the proc gen that 's decided the whole city is procedurally generated, okay. each intersection is procedurally generated, each building is procedurally generated, and you can go to any of them and have gunfights in any of them you can wow. have encounters with your with other rival corporations anywhere you 're a governmental agent or you 're kind of an independent, uh, an independently created agency that is funded by everybody in the city. Safeguard, the, the PMC group, is paying you money, but so is DeNovis, like one of the upscale neighborhoods that has like the university in it. The university is paying you money. Um, and as you do things in the city, they can all cut your funding or you can invest in them and get dividends when they succeed at various things. Um, so it's immediately a very murky place. Um, and uh, the levels, like I was saying, unlike the rest of it, they're procgen, but they're proc with like very tight – Constraints, right? So it's like, okay, this is basically, you can imagine uh, uh, um, a speaking venue is going to be a big open boxy room with like a, a backstage area and then like a front courtyard where people can mingle or something. And like, it might generate that uh, infinite number of ways, but it's still basically going to be a big rectangle, sure, right? Sure. Um, and so there's a bunch of those missions, and there's also the sort of like I- inner factional politicking because the goal is for everybody to get these relics which are special magic power things. You don't know what they are at the beginning of the game. You kind of get a sign of what they are by the end um, that are able to give people more power and more control over the shape, uh, over the kind of the, the area. Um, It it means that people around you will like you more. You'll get like militia people, just like regular citizens will show up to have your back. If you have the area under your control Um, and at the beginning of the game, they just start coming in, and you know where they are, and so your job is to go get them. That's what your bureau is there for. But after the third one, or second or third one, the security in your in your, your kind of IT breaks down, or your, your not your IT, your um, infosec breaks down, and everyone starts being able to track these incursions where these relics appear, mm. and where Sonata shows up to try to get them, and so everybody starts going for them. The PMCs go for them. The the um, the University wants them. the anarchist collective wants them the The bankers want them. everybody wants them, and starts sending their own little like hit squads after them and One of the most fascinating things for me about this game is the way that that stuff is happening on one hand while at the other hand so you 're competing in that land but but in the main story you 're also cooperating, but in the main story, that cooperation is also always framed as being sort of you know double sided or being oh. being kind of a, a little bit um, uh, you know, they're shaking, they're shaking your hands with their left hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't know what they're, they're actually going to do. Um, and those two things interact in a really fascinating way. And that brings me to like the thing that we recorded. Rob and I recorded a thing and lost it oh, because no. OBS betrayed me. OBS and discord discord in the middle screensh- of the night at like 10 oh. PM. I messaged Rob at nine 30. I was like, I was like, you up? <laughs> uh, oh, what? I sent the most like white boy text. Oh. i was just like, Hey, you up? Cause I want to talk about tactics um yeah you want to talk about tactics for me for a while um you want to see this mission in frozen you want to see this 48 turn mission in frozen synapse that took (laughs) me three hours i hit a point in the main story where narratively speaking the head of this group called safeguard was getting jumpy um i my faction my group was very much in the like we need to figure out what sonata is so we can know what steps to take it's doing some shit that's wild The guy from Safeguard was like, no, fuck that. We need to kill it. It's hurting people. Kill it. Like, that's what you do. Gotta kill it. Gotta kill it. Um, And I was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. And I knew from a previous game that at every HQ, at every faction HQ, because it's a full city, there are a bunch of troops because, you know, you've got to defend your home. There's any relics you've taken. There's all of your stocks and bonds that are represented as physical objects that could be stolen from you. Um, and there's you, there's the player character is in your HQ. Huh. Um, and so is the head of each of these other factions carefully guarded. Um, in this case, maybe not so carefully guarded Uh-oh. as Rob found out. Cause I was like, fuck this guy. I'm just going to go kill him. I'm curious if the story will adjust based on if I kill him or not. Because in the story, he's just giving me lip. He's just like, no, get in there and kill I don't know if I kill you and then I don't have to deal with you. Very cyberpunk response to make. Very good. Um, and so I end up going on this forty-eight turn mission. Most of the missions in this game are like eight to twelve turns, maybe twenty. This one's forty-eight. Oh. As it was just a- a storming the Bastille, like it was just like a fight in the streets in front of this huge facility. Rob, Rob do you have any characterization here? <sighs> the entire <laughs> we watched it. You, I played the whole thing out for Rob. Oh, I showed him yeah. the entire replay, basically, and then we lost it, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, I a
2: man mean, named Obs the assassin
3: you completely yeah, screwed us. Uh yeah, I mean the entire like it was like they were holding like a um warehouse and office facility at the at the end of a long causeway uh, yeah. basically. So you you your assault team had to dismount probably 150 yards away from the actual headquarters. Yeah. And start just moving up this exposed road with some concrete dividers on it God. while his entire, while the enemy's entire, like, guard company, basically. It's like
1: 38, 40 people.
3: Yeah, it was like, Austin's, like, got a squad, and, like, multiple platoons start boiling out of this building. It's like six on 30 or
1: something oh my ridiculous. Oh,
3: Right, and they start, they just, like, open up. Oh, and there's civilians everywhere as this all hell breaks loose.
1: Which is one of the most powerful things about this game? I think you and I both noted it in that in that video that we lost. Is the gunfire in this game is so scary? Like partly because civilians are running around and are very nervous and scared, and like ah, they're not yelling ah, but they're just like everything in this game is rendered in a very minimalist style. It's like uh, uh, blue, a yeah, please. It's yeah. like it's like lots of blues and blacks with your characters being kind of shining blue, flat textured. Um, uh, kind of silhouettes and the enemies being red and civilians being yellow. Uh, and the animation is so like simple but very expressive. Those people who are running around are very scared. And it introduces ambiguity in some key ways that produce an effect of of um there's something scarier to me about getting into a gunfight in Frozen Synapse than into, in XCOM. In XCOM I see it says 90% to hit I know it's a ninety percent chance to hit. I know it's XCOM, so really it's a seventy percent chance to hit. But it, it feels like okay, am I going to hit the shot or not? I don't know. In Frozen Synapse, when two characters on the field clock each other, when they're like, "Oh shit, there's a person," they both like line up, take their step, and start to fire. And the bullets miss for the first for the beginning parts of that encounter. Um, and there's a chance that like at any moment, there's like a rule set being calculated. Like, are you standing still? Are you aiming? Are you behind cover? And it's running all those numbers, but it's representing that through just the exchange of bullets, of very loud bullets. Huh. Uh, and it's really scary. So you have your characters walk down
3: the street and just open fire. Well, and there's an element of, like, the contrast the dynamic range of the visuals. Like, when all hell breaks loose, the, the right. general cool, muted colors of Frozen Synapse begin to, like, there's these blossoms of, like yes. uh, like... Muzzle flashes and weapon impacts and detonations. And so, like, the outlines of the level characters start vanishing into just hails of gunfire. And then as that begins to fade, uh, darker-hued, like, corpses are left behind. Like, once people go down, like, they're still... Like, the infrared satellite cam still catches them, but, like, they're dead. Like, they're rapidly cooling. And so... It all happens very quickly and decisively. Like, they're fast, brutal gunfights. And the casualties mount really, really fast. And they are significant. And during this assault, though, it got really hairy because you're trying to basically close on this facility that you're not quite. It did not seem like you were kitted out to actually take on. They had, like, literally, like, two not guys. At all. Two guys with rocket launchers start firing down the causeway at you uh, out of the buildings just, just, in ways to destroy to destroy cover so i can 't
1: sneak they have like the basic thing is I have like a bunch of gunners, shotgunners, and riflemen and stuff uh, kind of guarding their main entrance. Uh, picture like a, a north-south-east-west map in your head. The facility is northeast. Far east, they have one sniper watching this whole long causeway. I'm just out of that sniper's range. Uh, and they've rocket people to the north, shooting south to destroy the little bits of cover that I could theoretically be walking behind to approach that sniper. And the fact that the, the AI was like, no, I have to destroy that cover so that you can't sneak up on the on the sniper is like, Fuck, like I'm actually dealing with an AI that understands how I'm going to play this game, which is so not the thing that happens in tactics games and strategy games so often.
3: And there's this one wild moment, too, where they're firing rockets. First of all, they found this weird angle. They're firing rockets through a series of, like, they're basically firing it into one door of a building and out the other. They found this narrow, like, avenue where, like, they're firing. They're not exposed. So they're firing these rockets. But Austin is also panic firing with a grenade launcher. And so he's got somebody out there with, like, one of those rotary grenade launchers. Just, like, thunk, thunk, thunk. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the grenades bounces into this this building, which still has their dudes, like, in it as well. There's other dudes. There's friendlies. The rockets come sailing in. They're passing by just as the grenade goes, the rockets detonate in as sympathetic explosions in midair. That entire building gets like it fucking cleared. Like it's, it's like eight people gone, like in the blink of an eye.
1: All of this ends up being this remarkable siege of this of this facility that I chose to do because this is an open world thing. This wasn't a mission given to me. It procedurally generated this really interesting complex. It ends with this remarkable moment where I have my, like, the final little area uh, kind of uh, uh, staked out with, like, peep gunners at the various windows. I open all the doors at once and open up. and kind of hack in to to bring it out of lockdown. And then just, like, the leader of this rival faction is literally in the front lobby just standing by himself. (laughs) And I just have a scoped rifle guy. i be like, pop, and he's dead, and he's dead. And so um, uh, I guess I'm going to spoil this mechanic here. Because it, it is fascinating to me. Skip ahead a minute or two if you don't want to hear this one mechanical spoiler. Um, because the whole thing for me was like, I wonder what it does. That was kind of my question. I was like, I wonder if it does something if I kill the leader of this faction. Does the story reflect it? And it ended up giving me an option. And again, I'm giving you space to stop or skip ahead. Yep. The option was either kill him and kind of give up on the investigation Decide. I don't need him for the investigation. Actually, I don't need the investigation at all. I'm going to take over the city by getting all the relics and spreading my my influence everywhere. Or uh, send him into exile and hiding, where he's still able to operate in story missions for me as like an ed- as an advisor or whatever, but not actually participate on the map. Um, and I ended up doing that so that I could finish the main story. I wanted to see where the story was going, but it was amazing because there was this moment. It was the moment that. The system of strategy layer plus tactical layer really worked because he'd been the, the thing I kind of left off at the beginning is like not only was he being an asshole in the story, he was kicking my ass in the streets. Oh. He was like beating me to relics,
3: he, and just real he quick, had all these troops. Yeah, this happens as far as I understand. Like, because you you told me about this, and I think mean, it's a cool cool detail. This is all happening like procedurally in the city. Like they it's not like yes. you get a mission where like ah they're coming after you. It's like no, no, one no, no, of your no, no, hit no. teams is on their way to a, a relic site and they hit like, a ambush a at a checkpoint. An ambush. Yes, yeah. yes, and like you're just plunged into oh it's at this cross street that you've driven past a million times before today right. raging gun battle.
1: Right, exactly. And like it's in his territory so he he's able to set up his troops in a better way and all that stuff is like so fascinating. Um, I, I will say that I think the game is a little longer than it needs to be. Once I removed him, from, uh, an interesting arc happened, which is I removed him from power or I got him out of there, which meant I could become like the new superpower. And I kept thinking to myself, all right, I'm nearing the end of this game. And so I very quickly let the other factions off the hook. And so a relic would show up and I'm like, I don't need to go deal with that one. I have I'll have a story mission in two more minutes. I'll just focus on the story missions. And bit by bit, two other factions ended up with six of the seven relics they need to force a win for their game and so the end of that game was me becoming that dude and being the person who like all right i have four or five or six squads now i just have them rotating around the city waiting for other groups to win fights steal the take the relic and then catching them on the way home when they were down to like one guy with an smg all right you're not passing here give me the relic and if they wouldn't, I'd kill them. And so oh I ended up God. becoming like the monster. You like I hated. cops
3: or something? Like, hundred oh percent.
1: Listen, they can't. They're not allowed to have those relics. They'll turn it into the money train, I mean, baby. Else, that's the exactly. That's the wild thing. Is like. These are factions – it was like the anarchist faction who I was sympathetic to, but I was like, listen, I just need to complete the story missions. Just let me complete the story missions and you can have all the relics you want, but you need to give me time and they would not give me time. Um, I think by the end of that game, some of the veneer comes off of the, the strategy layer stuff. I think some of it becomes like a little too – you see the seams of the systems. You get repeat dialogue when you call people up to – the other faction leaders to gossip. Um, I don't know that there's enough in it to make me step out of my comfort zone tactically. I was, like, very key to use a very similar team most of the time. I was experimenting for fun, not because the missions forced me to. Uh, and I didn't dig deep into the multiplayer, um, but the multiplayer does have one really cool new thing, which is a one-turn multiplayer where it's like, all right, here's an objective, program a turn in, we'll and run it against a, a, a player, and that's a fun little light. Way to to play the multiplayer in what is otherwise a very stressful game.
3: To me, I still re- like. I remember when I first saw this at Pax East a couple years ago. Um, yeah, you right, you and I had, met. We saw this before yeah. we
1: worked. It was our first time we'd actually yeah we met actually met
3: seeing oh, Frozen Synapse. Aww. Yeah, it was,
1: it was sweet. Yeah. Uh, we'd known each other on the internet. That's for why years. you
2: could feel comfortable doing the you up. Right, exactly. <laughs> so later on, you, know, you knew each other well at this point. Yes.
3: And then uh, yeah, I got that text from Austin. I was like, "Hey, honey, you want to go to bed early tonight?" Uh, no I said, uh I
1: said yeah. we should play some Frozen Synapse. Yeah. Actually. So stay
3: up. No, but <laughs> when I saw when I saw them demoing this at, at PAX East, I was like, "Well, this looks impossible." Like there's like I was like, "There's no way." <laughs> yes. Like you know, go with God. Good luck, guys. But yeah. you realize this game's never going to fucking work, right? Like <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was kind of like. What they had made before was a squad tactics game. It was basically like it was it was real time uh yep. XCOM in a lot of ways. Like that's what they'd made. And here it was this whole procedural city with a strategic layer. I was like, that's going to crash and burn. Yep. It doesn't. And like it actually sounds like, yeah, you see the seams. You also yeah. put forty hours in, and you're like, I see seams, not like walls collapsing. And
1: right. Like- <laughs> I, I, that's really what it is. Like, I, it, they stayed. It stayed. Oh, except for the walls where I shoot rockets; those walls do collapse. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think that there's stuff that I wish this game had. Um, there at some point during development, they teased having more unique things for individual characters. I, I don't give a fuck about my characters in this game. But I think that's. Imp- I think that that is thematically correct for what this world is. We're like, I don't care about individual units or people. I would love a version of it that did make me care about those things. Um, and, and there was a version of it. There was a, an earlier build, I guess, or a, a teased thing once that was like, Oh, this assault rifle unit can, can, uh, ID enemies quicker, or this, uh, shotgunner is a little bit faster. And I would love to have that stuff in some version of this game, even if it was an optional checkbox. I checked at, I checked at the beginning of the game or something. Um, there's not enough going on in terms of strategic choices um, besides the relic stuff like I want to all the other factions in this game are doing shit like building hack you know a hacktivist collective like uh, uh you know server bases, and the the weird religious um, like the cult that worships AI is going around and giving public talks or trying to convert people or they have a bunch of like things that they're doing, and I wish I had those options, but you you don't, because you're just playing as the Bureau, who is, their whole job is this one thing. I want to have a kind of uh, an asymmetric relationship with the, I like having an asymmetric relationship with the rest of the factions, I just wish I could also be one of those other factions and pursue whatever their win goals are, which is not just get the relics, it's also spread the word about the AI, or... <sighs> Build, a, you know, undermine the 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 public safety mechanism so that you become the new the new public safety mechanism. Whatever those things are, I want to be doing some of those things. There's just not enough of that at all. Um, and I would love the politics and the the diplomacy stuff to be stepped up a higher level. I think it's it's already there and it's neat, but it it doesn't really. Again, the veneer comes off. What starts as as really evocative becomes really rote by those final five or six hours. Um, but again, that's after 25 hours of it being really really fun. So. Um, I really like it. I'm going to try to put some of these thoughts down as a as a review later this week. Shout out um, to Ian so
3: Hardingham's uh, soundtrack.
1: The soundtrack is incredible. Nice. It's incredible like electronic music with some some cool vocals. There's a really great vocal track uh, in it also. It's, it's, it's great. So I'm very
2: curious. I'm very curious very cool. to see if I might be able to make the transition. It's such I a don't unique
1: know, thing. You should give it a shot. You yeah. should give it a shot. because it, But it's such a unique different style if what you've played are the mario and rabbit but also i guess into the breach is also a fairly unique thing in that in that regard but it's wild to go from something that is i go then you go then i go then you go right or something with tiles to something that's just like i don't know i'm gonna put this guy here and hope that (laughs) you know i'll do the simulation because you can simulate what your enemy is gonna do um uh to see like okay well what happens if they pull their sniper around the corner at this angle i'm like well it, you can test that, but how many angles could they bring the sniper around?
3: Oh, I'm a fool. Um, By the way, no, it, it, uh, sorry, it's Paul. It's Paul of taylor who's uh, okay. the uh, electronic musician. Okay, Paul did the music, musician. too? Yeah.
1: Paul, Isn't
2: he one of the designers? Paul's
1: the lead dev on this game wow. also. Wow. So, shout-outs to Paul for yeah doing both of those nice things. Work. Um Awesome. So, yeah, that on Steam. I think it's only on PC right now, Mac to come, I think. Uh, I think it's like 30 bucks. So, yeah. go ahead and give that a I look.
2: Might, I might give that a shot. We'll totally. See.
1: Awesome. Uh, we should take a dip in the question bucket really quick if people are up for that. If you have questions. Well
2: bucket dip. It's not could, the comment bucket this time. It's the question bucket it's again. not
1: the comment bucket. Yeah. We're back to the question bucket. <laughs> Gaming at vice.com is the email address. And I have a couple of questions for you from there. This one comes in from Stefan from Sweden who says – Uh, I would like to bring up the general concept of huge games that are just ignored by the journalistic side of things unless something super controversial is happening. Many of those seem to be Blizzard games, but there are others uh, also. And Stefan goes on to to name some. Overwatch has 40 million active players. Uh, World of Warcraft uh, still has around 4 million daily players. The Sims 4 is one of the most popular games in the world, but it's not like we're doing lots of coverage of it. Pokemon Go has grown by 34% since it first launched, and it launched at very high numbers. Uh, Stefan says, my point is... What is it that makes certain games or franchises like Forgotten Continents or Hidden Cities? Huge areas with devoted players who are just ignored by everyone else. Why isn't anyone reflecting on the fact that 4 million active players still play WoW? Despite the hip gaming press claiming that games are, are, are dead for the last seven years, why is The Sims never mentioned when discussing games, uh, and especially when talking about games that lure in non-gamers? I mean, Minecraft is still around, I mentioned, but The Sims, which basically appeal to the same kinds of people, aren't. Uh, anyway, I hope you get some sense from my ramblings. Great show, great people, love you all. Be good and be good at it and all that. Thank you, Stefan. Um, I'm curious. What, what do you think about these games that kind of, you know, we know in our in our heads are successful? I think, ironically, Fortnite is is the one that has been getting coverage lately. Uh, but some, even something like League of Legends, which has millions and millions and millions of players, does not often get mainstream journalistic coverage. Thoughts There's on no that? news peg. Yeah.
2: You know, that seems like the number one thing, right? If there is that sort of news peg, if there is that controversy, unfortunately, you know, negative stuff or negative, you know, a personality doing some outrageous thing does tend to get attention. More, and we we sure do live in the attention economy.
1: Which which I think speaks to something underneath that, though, which is like just because a game has forty million players actually does not mean that they have forty million people who want to read about exactly. that game on a daily basis, especially from writers who have to cover other things. Um, that's the big one. Uh, I know, Rob, you just pointed at me. Do you want to expand on that? Oh, God,
3: no. Uh, I, mean, I mean, no. <laughs> it's... I think that is a really important point. Like, the, the thing is, if you've been playing WoW for oh, God, has it been 10 years? 12? Something like that. 12, it's been 11? quite a few. It's been, like...
2: 2004, fuck. right? Oh, my God. 14 years is what
3: it's <sighs> it <has> been. 14 <sighs> years. Time to go to the Grey Havens. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, if you've been if if you've been in that scene for uh, you know well over a decade, there is a zero point zero percent chance I'm going to tell you anything new about that game. Uh, right. Like I, I uh, like I could do a deep dive and like really start attacking League of Legends tomorrow to fit, like to, to to learn shit. Still, wouldn't have any relevant or useful insights or information to share with people who like play that game, like incredibly seriously. Like their media needs, their their article needs are being serviced elsewhere uh by people who are sort of experts in, in that scene um or often by the community themselves. Yeah. yeah. So that's I think one of one of the big ones is just the like games that exist like that for a long time uh, become their their fields unto themselves almost and it is hard for like the general general interest games journalist to access interesting information there.
1: Totally, Patrick, you've been reporting on games for more than half more of than your life. Too long, yeah. more than fourteen years. Why? Ha- why didn't you write more about World of Warcraft?
0: Well, I've never played it, so that's that'd be tough. Uh, and actually, I've written about World of Warcraft before, it's just <laughs> not. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you if the expansion's any good. Right. Um, it's resources, right? Like it's it's building on what. Uh, Rob said, and this is, you know, tangentially related to, to Danielle's point about the news peg is that um, when someone says something outlandish or there is a controversy, that is a sort of focal point where you can come in and explain a thing that is separate, that is decontextualized from – the larger thing. Um, and to, to Rob's point, um, it's, it's, there are, you know, Kotaku essentially pioneered like Steven Titillo sort of pioneered this whole idea of, um, assigning writers to beats. Like when I was at Kotaku, I was asked to come up with a couple of games or game series. Like I was the souls person. So I was following the communities of Dark Souls and Bloodborne and stuff like that. And I wrote a lot of stories that came out of there. Like that was born out of A personal interest, and then an assigned interest where I was told to be a beat reporter for these. You know, Mario Maker is another one. It's like, so um, The Sims go to Kotaku specifically. Like, Gita Jackson is out there writing tons of really interesting, informed pieces about The Sims. So, you know, does Kotaku write about every subculture? No. And, you know, in fact, they took a uh, uh uh you know they experimented with doing a more esports focused site that did a lot of really Incredible interesting work. stories yeah. but um if the, the 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 push and pull with that stuff is so like if i go in and, and write about a a controversy um out of some community um uh there's a chance that the you know the this push and pull with like business and attention and traffic is that if that's interesting enough that it bursts out into where people not engulfed in that subculture might be interested that maybe what draws me into it and then i can there's a chance that there's gonna be an audience that's gonna want to click on that that has nothing to do with the original audience that that, that subculture is in uh amassed in so like kataku's uh like esports thing they were trying to build up an audience for themselves and that is extremely difficult building but Some games break through because you know what? Fortnite does clicks, like Fortnite does traffic. And it's not even that at the end of the day you need clicks to get ads, to get money. It's you want to write things that people are interested in. Right. And like as a writer, selfishly, you want people to read things that you spend your time on. You want people to care about it. And so often that's a certain cross-section of games that are expertise, that uh, you have resources for, and that it is proven that the audience of your website – will want to read about. And so, uh, you know, that is kind of, was Fortnite for a little while. You can definitely see it drifting. Yeah. Like they're like Fortnite is not nearly written about to the same degree that it was before. It's now just part of a pool that people pull out of. Um, but if there were a million other writers who were well paid and could be tasked with it, they would find those stories. And um, they there's just, well, you know, And the other thing here that's a huge problem that
1: you, that you hit on a little bit is like the answer of why aren't people doing it might actually be they are you just might not know where that is right like pc gamer has run seven stories on wow in the last seven days and those rage range from wow's game director is on reddit addressing concerns about battle for azeroth's biggest problems which is like hey slight controversy negative feedback here's how they're responding to uh in defense of world of warcraft's worst area um to uh an ode to scarlet monastery one of wow's most beloved dungeons so like See? Oh, so, there it is. So, uh, to how this wild millionaire's laziness made him Azeroth's most famous financial guru. Like, there's a range here of cultural stories, of critical stories, of stories about the, the the state of the game today. That work is being done. It might just be that the people who you like hearing talk, like us, or like other podcasts you listen to, like your favorite streamers, are, are interested in other games and uh, in, in being more generalists.
3: Yeah. When you were listing those games, though, that, like command huge audiences don't seem to like become a central part of like the games discourse though yeah like there's this other thought I had which was like boy that sure does seem like a list of games that are popular with women and kids oh like, yeah of course totally mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so that that's the other aspect of this it's like one of the most popular selling books uh, probably not the ones Romance being discussed novels. ad infinitum right. uh-huh. on the li- like literary pages uh, in right. newspapers and magazines so I think there's definitely an element of that often gendered snobbishness that you find across a lot of different media as well. Like, And again, that's the sort of thing that's like, that sort of bias is rarely conscious, but yes. can be pervasive.
1: Yeah. Uh, and The Sims is maybe one of the best examples of that, where like, I, I cannot think of a series that has a, more uh, complexity and and kind of critical density for things you could say across games, crit uh, across cultural storytelling or about communities. Um, And again, people like Gita have done that work. Uh, Janine Hawkins spent years reporting on the Sims. Like there are people who do that work, Um, but it does not breach into the, the kind of, kind of brain, the brainy sphere, so to speak uh, in the same way that even something like Minecraft did, um, everyone is looking for that news peg and for, there's, a, there's a deep, terrible cyclicism in this, which is as an editor at a website, you have to speak to people who have checkbooks. And what they do is they say, sure, you can hire someone new. Sure, you can bring your contractor over into being a full-time role where they get health and benefits. To prove that you can do that or to let you do that, you need to hit X goals. Your, your OKRs need to be so high or, or you need to succeed at them. Um, whatever your metrics are, you need to, to achieve. And so you have a very material reason to pay close attention to the audience as it is and not the audience as you want them to be. And so that means that for a lot of outlets, including ours, we are having conversations. They're like, well, what's the news peg? What's the thing that's going to make someone who would not traditionally look at our content, look at our content. Because we have a very material goal in mind, which is we want people to support us so that we can keep doing the stuff that we really, really, really want to do that can be about stuff that wouldn't traditionally get covered covered in, in other outlets, right? Um, and so there's always this push and pull. I don't think this is a Waypoint-specific thing. I, no. Everywhere has material, like, very specific budgetary concerns um no one has a blank check especially not after they launch you might get a blank check during launch uh or you might get a very specific very big number during launch but then the reality set in and you got to hit your quotas you have to hit those numbers um and you can you can there are ways to shift that bit by bit and i definitely think you know i i i sat in a room uh two years ago two and a half years ago beginning of 2016 with joel and with my boss now and with the eic advice um, and they posed the question to, to me, which was like, well, what if there just isn't an audience for the sort of content Waypoint makes? And I very foolishly and confidently said, oh, like we just need to make it fucking cool enough that that we create the audience. That the audience that right now sort of cares about this stuff, we need to make it like not only acceptable to want to care about this shit, but like hip to care
3: about this shit. Austin, what's your um, business plan? Uh, let me just give you the speech from the end of Sports Night. Yeah, uh, anyone who can't make yeah, money off sports night shouldn't be in the money making business.
1: Rob, Rob, where are we going? Uh, quote really Adamus, baby. Adamus, where are we going? Wow. Uh, don't put me in a room because I'll convince people to do stupid things like give me money. Um, the and like I, but I, but at the same time, what I will say is I think we have seen a shift in a good way over the last few years. I think again, you look at something like the way Kotaku has broadened out the the sort of reporting it does. You look at something like. You know, Polygon, I don't think two or three years ago would have asked the the director of The Division 2 and and tried to hold him to whether or not his game was political. Um, I think the conversations through a collection of a lot of great people in games crit and in games journalism and and the state of the world, let's say, has has made a lot of people who previously either didn't have a platform – Earn one through their hard work and through people who who have been willing to share their platforms, and also people who had platforms to take a step back and be like, fuck, am I using this right? How can I use this better? Um, And that is not.
0: uh, Look at at Spider Man, right? It was like Spider Man's like, first wave of, of reviews was like, you know, and mine included, like, yo, this game's pretty great. And, you know, some allusions to some stuff that was a little, eh. And then the next week when Spider like, Cop. the discourse kicks in, which is like, yeah, Spider it was Spider Cop. Cop, not just written at one place, not written in an obscure blog that a bunch of people are linking to be like, yo, this shit's good, right. but it's not at the big place. It's like, no, it's like Kotaku, The Ringer, right. like lots of, we did a podcast document yep. Like there were lots of places that like front of mind, which is like, all right, A, and then B was like, uh like, that's amazing and shows as far as... Uh, games crit and like games coverage has to go it has come an extraordinarily long way in terms of what is thought to be top of mind um of what to write about and so yeah it does mean some games fall by the wayside but i'm glad that i'm willing to like you know not going to cover league of legends leave that to the people who are experts at that and that you know the things that a lot of the people that end up at sites like this are like they enjoy a game like Spider-Man, but then also want to be like, this part of it's kind of fucked yeah. and we should talk about it. And that's – the fact that it's been elevated to that platform is uh, is really inspiring. It, it makes me feel good about where things are and where they're going.
1: Uh, you should go look at Heather, Heather Alexandra's Spider-Man's take on police feels out of touch uh, over at Kotaku and uh, at Justin Charity's uh, – uh, sp- I think it's the spider cop problem over at The Ringer. Mm-hmm. Both great pieces, uh, conversations that need to, ha- need to be had. Um, I feel
2: like Yusef did something too that was really
1: good. Yusef did a piece for us earlier in the year on on superheroes, right? Uh, and superheroes and kind of fascism. Um, go go read that if you if you missed that. That was part of our uh, uh, inside the. That was about the injustice
3: campaign and tying yeah, into policing campaign. and criminal right. justice That's in New York. Just,
1: exactly. Right. All right, one more quick one here. Um, this one is from Payne, who says, "Highway Point." I graduated from college in May, and at the start of August, I got a job with my local paper. Congrats to Payne. Uh, While I'd like to write about games someday, having been inspired by work like all of yours, I'm young and I know it's not something most people can break into overnight. In the meantime, or perhaps forever, local news seemed like a good place to be because of the purpose it serves within small communities like mine. Totally agree. The only problem is that I feel like the critical lens I started to develop in school is languishing without practice. I often get home and don't want to think too hard because, gosh, I'm writing news in 2018. Hmm. I don't want to lose that skill, though, because I think it's important to have. And one day, I'd like to have the opportunity to use it professionally. So I was wondering, do you find folks at Waypoint have any advice on how to maintain or develop the skill of critique for those of us at home? Thank you, Payne.
2: I have a more general note about having three careers at the same time, which is a thing I do. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Having multiple jobs and having multiple... Hobbies that take a massive amount of time. And that is uh, to understand that you're going to have to have a sort of primary focus in your career. You're going to have to have probably a primary job, a primary thing that brings in the money and pays the bills and so on and so forth. But know that it is not impossible by any means uh, to have multiple things going on and multiple responsibilities. But it does mean you have to be very honest with yourself yeah. about how much time goes into those things because burnout is real and it is my uh, my enemy uh-huh. all day, every day. It's something I worry about, something that has absolutely bitten me in the ass at times. Uh, so it means you have to be very, very honest with yourself about time management and very, very honest with yourself about what you get out of your passions. Um, and... Uh, I, I will note this on hopefully an encouraging note. Um, obviously, people have family responsibilities. They have financial responsibilities. They have a lot of things going on, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you you can do it because mm-hmm. I don't know your situation. But it is absolutely possible to do many things in your life, to be a renaissance person, so so or so forth, you know, or however you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, however you want to look at it. Um, and I would encourage you. To do that and to keep yourself honest by making it a habit in some way. By writing, it doesn't have to be every day. You pick whatever it is that it needs to be for your life, whatever works for you, and absolutely you know, stick it to yourself and make yourself do it every now and then. I've probably spent you know, three hours in the last month working on a game I've been working on that is scoped for like a 48-hour game jam kind right. of thing. But it's going to get done eventually. It's yep. just there's other things going on as well. So – You can do it, my friend. Just be honest with yourself about it and hold yourself accountable uh, to practice.
1: Awesome. Rob or Patrick, do you have anything to add to that? Because I don't think I do. (laughs) Uh,
0: Practically speaking, if like he's just saying like he – he's like looking for a place to like like practice that critical eye. Like I have an alternate Reddit account where like I will just go make comments in different places where I want to talk and try and engage with things that I'm – like, figuring out and, like, don't want to do on, like, my Prime Ooh. account. And, like, there are endless places to go to, like, man, I just want to, like, work through this argument. And it's, like, I need a place where I can do that that's not, like, me doing it on Twitter. Um, and, like, that's – I like, there are endless places. If there are topics you want to talk about, engage with people about them. Like, there are places, like, or wherever, like a message board. Like, there are places for you to engage with people um, that is different than, like, putting your public self – out there. And like, I find that's a way for me to kind of like work through different ideas and engage with people. Um, that's like, it doesn't cost anything. There's nothing to lose. Um, especially if you're just doing it on like burner accounts while you're just kind of like playing with ideas. And, um, yeah, like that's a potential like avenue to, to do that. If you're just like literally looking for like, where's a place that I can do this and engage with people? Um, that's, that's That's an option. option.
2: Yeah.
3: Rob, how about you? Boy, uh, I mean this is a really tough thing. I think particularly like it once you're in the thick of it it's actually harder to keep that honed and to keep growing because you're in you're in that horrible like it's a dangerous cycle of like You're playing through everything. Everything you're encountering, you're thinking about, like, what would I say about it? Even if – the answer might be you don't have anything to say, but you'll be like, but what could I force myself to say about this? And that's not where great criticism or insight is going to come from. Like, honestly, like, a lot – like, for me, like, a lot of my best pieces – Catch me a little bit by surprise. They weren't things that I knew consciously. Like I was going to sit down and, and have a take. Like every Monday, we have a conversation o- about like, well, what are we working on? What are, th- what are we thinking we might get out of something? And for me, even saying like, well, here's kind of what I'm thinking about writing, almost almost fucks it. Like almost like crashes it on takeoff <laughs> because a lot of times, what works best is you'll just be sort of like thinking, you'll have a thought you'll put a pin in it, come back to it again and again while you're doing the dishes. And then eventually you're like, wait, I know. And you sit down and you write it. But in terms of like staying honed, like keeping, like still encountering like criticism and developing your craft. um, I think that I would advise you like, do not be extremely online. Like the, like the online discourse, the, the churn of the conversation Will have you like chasing a lot of little red herrings. Like there's still a lot of like yes, you will miss some great work, but it will save you from reading every little thing, every momentary passing thought. When I think what can sometimes better serve you is like keep a well maintained RSSS RSS feed that like Feedly or something where where you're like what are the outlets I really enjoy reading what you know what what are, what's the criticism that I really enjoy pursuing and like. Sit down and mull that over when you have a spare spare moment. Uh, That's one of the things that I try to do: is like step away from the churn and try to see like the finished thoughts people are putting out there, the best Mm. versions of uh, of arguments and critique.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe dial it back the other direction. Maybe, Um, though, I think the starting point should still be what you said, which is find those finished thoughts, find those. Find those blog entries, find those essays, find those columns and start there. But the thing that kept me honest as a freelancer where I could – one, I was teaching at the time. So that was not my primary income. Mm -hmm. So there was easier – I mean it was nice to have an extra whatever, 50 bucks here or there. (laughs) Um, But – yeah. yeah, But uh, uh, was the community. Um, It's super easy to not hold yourself accountable for a hobby, it becomes easier when it 's you participating in something with a group. Um, there are people online who love to talk about video games um, to there are for me, it was speaking with people like Cameron Kunzelman years ago, you know when we were both blogging and both in in grad school. Um, where he would write an essay and I would write a response to that essay and then, you know, I talked to Gita about it and then, you know, or Heather would make a, a video and I'd mm-hmm. watch that video and be like, wow, that video inspired me to write this other thing or, you know, whatever. Like that, that, that my cohort in a sense, you know, game, game journalism and game criticism weirdly ends up working in this sort of like, oh, who, you know, who are the new, like, what's the new school the new of class. this the new class yeah. and like that was my a big part of my class or, or, or folks like that. Um, and so being able to respond to, to them, to write responses, to know we were all reading the same thing. Um, today, I would be in a Discord with, with other game crit, uh, people writing games crit. I'd be trying to read things like the the Game Study Study Buddies podcast that Cameron Kunzelman uh, and good. Michael Lutz put out uh, mm. every couple of weeks is fantastic and, like, is a great way to engage with people who are working. And, like, again, then engaging them on. on Platforms like Twitter and and pushing back here or asking here, like stuff like that is what is, was so foundational for me keeping that part of my brain sharp when my day job was to be doing media studies, which is a related field but not the same field.
3: Right. Just a quick question though because like what you're describing almost sounds more to me like the brain sphere era, which to me was like – very yeah, like yeah, I've completed an essay that. on my blog and like people would go and f- back and forth and like read finished right. work not that just
1: moved to paste is what happened yeah
3: <laughs> yeah um uh and now
1: you know does show up here it shows up still at paste it shows up uh, at, at Kotaku, sometimes like U.S. Gamer media, a lot of medium Gamer, stuff, media, a, lot of medium stuff a lot of medium yeah. stuff. People haven't stopped publishing games. Crit like Critical Distance every week is still filled with writing that I don't have the time to read all of. Yeah. Um, uh, Game Informer run stuff, net like that. That stuff has gotten out into the world because a lot of people, a lot of people. Shout-outs to Garrett Martin went through the paste model. Like a lot of people did go through paste. I, like. Again, like multiple cohorts have passed through the the halls. It's like halls. the headmaster. Seriously. A little bit, yeah. Seriously. Um, and so I I, I don't think that, that the spirit of the Brainy Sphere died in, in that sense. I mean it's under threat by way of like quick shot discourse on Twitter um, and stuff like that. But like people are still having real conversations about games. And for me, being part of those conversations was a huge part of keeping that edge sharp – and yeah. finding an outlet. So. I would say
2: super briefly on all of Please. that would be to also be honest with yourself about what's going to sort of feed you yes. and help you yeah. through and, and help you in a, in the good way of a cohort and yes. not be something that is going to so – Don't get into petty fights. Exactly. I was going to say pettiness, number one enemy of of this sort of thing, of finding like good community online, petty stuff. It and is yeah.
1: It is so hard to disengage <laughs> and then one day – it becomes so easy to disengage yeah. from people who you know are not actually pushing you to be a better critic. I think
2: Or a human being.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but am I
3: what Daniel was saying there initially, like finding what feeds you, I think is maybe what I was trying to get at. Like if you're too yeah. like if you plugged yeah. in and like you're 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 detecting every vibration of the critical web. Like it's just tiring. It's too much it's it too is. much too yeah. much noise to signal. Um but finding like Getting your reading list, getting your habits in a place where you're getting that steady diet of stuff that energizes you. Whatever form that takes, that could still be, like, cool chats on Twitter with good people. Yeah. But, like, find it.
1: Whatever form that takes, find what that is. my, my My only real fear of the, like, get a good RSS feed is that that prizes people who have platforms already and who have their work show up on RSS feeds, right? That, like, I would not have been in your RSS feed five years ago. I wouldn't have been. Um, No one knew who the fuck I was until Cameron got me to do a co-written piece with him at Paste. Um, and then, and then thankfully I started building a following from there. Um, I'd been blogging for a while and no one had, who the fuck was following me? Um, and that's certainly true today of people who are writing on medium for people who are, or you look at someone like Colin Space Twinks, who's a great comics critic who primarily functions through Twitter and occasionally does piece. I, I yeah. shouted out now Colin's, starting to be on Verve the, yeah, a little bit, yeah, on, bit, on, their, yeah. on yeah, their, their Verve, uh, uh, column, um, uh, or not column, but the, the piece on, on Pat labor, so, like, I, that is my only pushback there is there are people in the margins who, do, who will not show up there. But I think you're totally right, Rob, that it is about finding whatever that – the font of that, of that yeah. like, thing that keeps you engaged. And you're also certainly right that the discourse can become overwhelming and exhausting. <laughs> As someone who is overwhelmed and exhausted, I get it. <laughs> um, all right. I think that's going to do it for us today. You'll note we're not doing waypoints today. That's because <sighs> – On Wednesday, starting this Wednesday, we're spinning Waypoints off uh, into its own show. Wednesday Waypoints. I don't know if that makes us like... That's a Waypoint.
3: That's a Waypoint. Wait, I thought we were calling Uh, it uh, Rob Zachney's Weekly Salon. That's what we're calling it. Rob Zachney will be
1: hosting Rob Zachney's Weekly... Sorry, The Big Dog. (laughs) Meet the Big big Dog dog on the porch. The Big Dog's porch. Bring your favorite movies and music and anime...
2: Bring a bucket big, of beer.
1: And a bucket of beer. <laughs> if you want to talk to the big dog, you got to pay the toll.
2: <laughs> ow. <laughs> ow! Ow, uh, ow, ow! <laughs> <laughs> That's the intro. That's it right there. That's the intro. We got uh, an intro.
1: You know, so uh, Wednesday Waypoints. So Patrick we'll talking is about, in
2: agony. Uh, right
1: yeah, now. Patrick is dying. <laughs> um, we are going to talk oh, about a, a bunch of other stuff. I know stuff.
3: Patrick needed. Woof, 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 woof,
1: woof, woof. woof. <laughs> there it is, yeah uh he's dying good um this week for instance we're probably going to talk about mandy which which i know a couple of us saw uh we can't talk about it yet we can't talk about it yet patrick we've talked about it on wednesday (laughs) sorry uh uh, rob what are you gonna talk about
3: i think i'm gonna talk about propaganda uh, postcards from the world wars
1: awesome i'm gonna talk about the the dragon prince
3: Ooh, i got
1: some thoughts uh so big you all know shout stocks. outs I, full disclosure Danica does the social media for the Dragon Prince. I've been watching it. It's I want to talk about it on Wednesday. And I think Natalie's going to bring uh, Twin Peaks. It's going to be a rotating cast. Rob is going to be the anchor because Rob is my anchor.
3: Uh, he's all of our anchor. Of our really. Anchor. He's it's the waypoint true. anchor. He's the waypoint it anchor. True. <laughs> it's true. Lead anchor just <laughs> no! Yeah, I was going to say gotta, it's mm-hmm. a sea anchor a captain. We have to cut the ropes. <laughs>
1: No, never. No! Never. Um, uh, and so there'll be a rotating cast from week to week. Um, so so look forward to that. If you have stuff that you'd like us to check out, you're like, hey, this is a cool article. Hey, this is a cool, uh, you know, I, I, I'll be straight up. I think we've caught it. I've said, like, we're taking a lot of inspiration from Match 3 uh, 70 times in the last week as I've pitched this internally and externally to various people. Um, uh, so, so if you enjoyed Patrick Klepek, Gita Jackson, and Sam... Phillips. Got yes. Yeah. Sam Phillips' match three years ago. I don't think, we'll, you know, I, 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 it's something to aspire to, is what I will say, because that show was fantastic.
0: Which that, which that itself was uh, based on uh, me enjoying uh, a number of uh, Slate right. podcasts. Oh, no, we were just talking like, about Slate I, I would listen to these. <laughs> Fuck
1: you. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's no, not stop. stop Don't open me
3: up we're on not, David Plotts.
2: No. I can't that's do an it. That's an anti-waypoint. Oh my god, David That's, the, that's a different but
0: show. It's, uh... One, one of the, the things that a lot of the Slate podcasts would do, like whether you're listening to their political podcast, their culture podcast, at the end, each of the, the contributors would like just share something they yeah. were enjoying that was so often f- themed somewhere around like the the, the the podcast they they were recording or or just something interesting in the world. And often some of my favorite conversations were like that little nugget. Um, and so that's what was the inspiration for Match 3. And then, um, you know, it, was, it kind of being carried on, the spiritual successor in – in waypoints, so I'm super excited about that.
1: Awesome! Uh, so yeah, can't wait for that to start on Wednesday, and then Friday will continue to be our great kind of designy deep dives into questions like lore.
2: How do we make good lore puddles? How do we not do puddlegate?
1: What are other wrote <laughs> into the breach?
2: How do we go into the breach? <laughs>
1: wow. Good question, <laughs> uh, and you're going to see more from us in the future. I don't want to announce other stuff there yet. Uh, both in this feed and in some other feeds, uh, you will continue to see a lot of cool Waypoint podcasts as we as we move in towards the end of, of 2018. Um, other speaking of one of those, I guess I can announce the next Waypoint 101 game. We gave it some thought. Well, there are some conditions we wanted to meet, and also we thought it would be good to do something reevaluative, not either always kind of looking back, but Ahead of Red Dead Redemption 2, hmm. we thought we should go back to the original Red Dead Revolver. No, we're not Re- doing Red Dead Revolver. Red Dead Red Revolver. Revolver yes. I yes. wish we were doing Red Dead Revolver. Me too. I'm
0: kind of. probably going to play it, though. To, yeah. just to see I've never what played it is, Red Dead Revolver. That's the one it. I've yeah, played. Me-
2: I didn't play Redemption yet.
1: Well, then we're going to talk about Red Dead Redemption. All right. And it sounds like we're going to do it in two parts. Probably. Uh, yeah. I think so. That'll again will keep us honest. See, it's a collaborative collection of people, and they're gonna make us actually. It's our cohort. It's our cohort. The Waypoint cohort. Uh, We are going to um, uh, do two episodes of that. I think the first part we're gonna play through until I think
3: probably up through the end of the major plot line with the character you meet at the beginning, Bonnie. Um, And then it sounded like we all agreed that there's no need to continue past Mexico. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's like there,
0: there's a there's a really striking musical moment yes. that happens. And basically, once you make it to Mexico, we're we're going to watch the ending. If mean, time people can continue through, to play if yeah, they want. Totally. Right. Yeah. But we're we, we going to sort of just put a marker at the the uh, expedition <laughs> we, to Mexico. We, and then we agreed
3: about that, by the way, because all of us independently had basically petered out. At or right after. yeah. that game, yeah. but
1: it was a rough... Me too. It was a, yeah, that, I that, it. The yeah. Mexico act is a rough act all, right. all the way through. It's bad. Um, and, and if you don't get through it, don't worry about it. So yeah, first episode, yeah. The first episode will be about two weeks, two and a half yeah. weeks, something like that. And then the next one will be just ahead of the game's launch, I think, yeah. in mid-October. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll have a specific dates and a story up on the site sometime this week. Um, but yeah, so that is our next Waypoint 101. Uh, maybe a little predictable, but sometimes it's fun to go back and... Reevaluate things, Danielle, and Sometimes I. Sometimes when you've
2: got a smoking gun, yeah, you gotta pick it up and
1: shoot. Sometimes when you got a smoking gun, you gotta pick it up and shoot. <laughs> That's what they say. My mama, hmm. my mama always told Direct me. Quote. Sometimes when you got a smoking gun, <laughs> you gotta pick it up and shoot. Bang! <laughs> Shout out as always to Boen for letting us use the track "Miss You" off the EP "Pale Machine." waypoint.zone slash b o e n for that. Follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com. dot slash waypoint, Facebook waypoint vice. Uh, where can people find you, Danielle?
2: At Danielle R.I. with a smoking gun.
1: With a smoking gun. Rob Zachney. At Rob Zachney. Partner. <laughs> and Patrick Klepik. At Patrick Klepek.
2: Cowboy. Oh.
1: Cowboy. Thank you. <laughs> Cowboy Patrick Klepek. I could imagine Patrick Klepik in like a goofy... Halloween cowboy outfit so easily. I can too. The big hat.
0: I give me give my daughter a, a couple of years. So I'm sure she'll get this you here. It. Apparently. So I'm, hopefully, I don't have to be a king this year. She wants to be a princess. You be for a king. Halloween, king so. Patrick.
1: King Patrick. You're, you're She's a lord. A, thank you. Thank you. That's true. You are lord.
0: I'll tell my daughter. Uh, no, not a king. I will be a lord. <laughs> lord. Sorry, sweetie. No <laughs> look gods or kings. Documents.
3: <laughs> oh!
1: <laughs> not
2: in this household.
0: Turn off this podcast. All right, that's going to do done. it for
1: us. Thank you as always. Danielle, what do we say to him?
3: Be good and be good at Dragon it. Dragon Big. Peace. Fuck. <laughs> Dragon Big. He big. Is he though? I don't know. big dog shirts ads. They're, they know.
1: They know. They, they see what you need. They know what you need. And what you need is big
3: dog shirts.
2: Big dogs.
3: Hold on. I have to look at this one real quick. <laughs> big dogs bucket list. Oh. One. Beer. Two. Ice. Three. Beer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Living that big dog life. Oh.
2: <laughs> I'm putting this at the well, end of the podcast. You know, I want you to know that.
1: I was gonna bark, but then I thought you that second bark. that second beer. First beer you bark. Second you beer, oh. you howl. You howl, yeah, at, the right. you howl <laughs> at the moon. Howl at the moon. Bring out. out the inner the big wolf, you know?
3: The big wolf. The big wolf. big <laughs> wolf.
1: Oh, I love that movie. Alright. <laughs>
3: when, when you're a big dog when you're a big dog but even radicalized, you go to big wolves. You go to oh. big
2: wolves? <laughs> oh. Oh. Big Donco on Chapo. Some big wolf energy. <laughs> oh
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic.
0: Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part?